Free Talk Live. It's the the live Sunday edition. I, you know, I, it's, it's it's Mark here with you and Stephanie. <laughs> um, you know, it's basically Porkfest recovery show. I you know, <laughs> I took three days off of work after Porkfest to recover. <laughs> <laughs> I know there, there've got to be some of our listeners out there in, in podcast land that uh, are sick and tired of hearing about Porkfest. But I I really feel we've kind of got to got to wrap up some stuff and just sure. talk about it a little bit. And or they'll just wish they were there and they'll start making plans for next year to come. I you know I, I welcome them um, mm-hmm. if they don't want to come I'm I'm fine with that too you know I you know, I I want people to do what they want to do I hope that they um you know I hope that if they decide not to come that they're deciding for valid reasons mm-hmm. you know I think that some people may get uh, you know a bad idea of what Porkfest is maybe from on the air here or I don't know I mean I often wonder whether we uh, you know. We talk about it in, in such a fashion that it seems like such a uh, Dionysian uh, debaucherous, uh, you know, revelry <laughs> that it doesn't speak to the many faces of Porkfest. You know? Well, that's just it. I mean, there's such a variety of things that go on at Porkfest from things that would be traditionally, I think, considered pretty conservative, like firearms etiquette. There was like a silencer demo. Mm-hmm. There was uh, newbie shoots, appleseed shoots. Yep, yep. All the way to Buzz's big gay dance party and the the rave that happened last night at Porkfest. Yep. So, oonts, oonts, oonts. <laughs> that was the name of it. Yeah, oonts was the name of it. Yes, <laughs> it's a very clever name. I I wish I'd have thought of it. It was. It was. And I don't ha- like it when people think of clever things that I haven't thought of already. Oh, that's too bad. The um and also the the family aspect. Yes, uh, you, you've got the to understand kids carnival. Yep, indeed. There was a, not just it was so much of it. Yeah, that it was a whole week of kids events and. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know, um, when you're there to, if you're, say, in your, you know, mid-20s and you go there to, uh, you know, hang out with the the agorists and drink some alcohol, smoke some pot and go to the dance parties and stuff like that, you have no idea of the multi-levels of pork fest that go on. You know, the families that come, the older folks that are there, mm-hmm. the speeches that are being watched, just, you know, every aspect of it. And you, my, my, my wife had a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. She didn't go to any of these, uh, you know, parties where, you know, girls are dancing with pasties on. She didn't do any of that. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, I saw a lot of kids running around and I was I was hanging out with the agorists. I was volunteering with free aid, which was providing volunteer first aid. And, uh, you know, we treated a lot of kids that, you know, had scrapes and bruises and mosquito bites and even a dog bite. So what's our dog bite? There were two dog bites, actually. Good heavens! Yeah, I'm glad that free aid was there. It's such a uh, you know, such too. a thing that we really needed, and um, you know, I didn't I didn't even realize how much we needed it, but we needed it. Well, yeah, I completely agree, and I was just blown away by how well it went and how generous people were. I mean, I didn't see a single. We're, we were doing it all volunteer. We have a team of about twenty paramedics, EMTs, nurse mm-hmm. practitioners, even an MD, and myself, who's a medical student, and everybody was just doing providing first aid on a voluntary basis and Mm -hmm. part of that is kind of trying to show how those services can be provided voluntarily but we were accepting donations of course to cover our costs with supplies and i didn't see one person take so much as take a band-aid without giving a donation and well i mean that's the kind of thing that uh, would go on there so did you guys Mm -hmm. actually clear a little money so that you have stuff to buy for next time uh well we had a lot of uh, money that we invested into getting ready for Porkfest yep. with free aid, but we we probably do have a little bit left over for future events as well, which is great. Yeah, that's great because um, that way you'll have a little cushion in the next events. You can you know cover your cost and then create a bigger cushion. And, mm-hmm. You know, then at some point actually you don't have to put your own money in. You can just use the uh, the the fund for free aid. That's that's awesome. Right. So the um 
Yeah, and lots of people with dogs there. There were yeah. you know, lots of that. No cats. Didn't see any cats. I didn't see any either. Yeah. That would be a bad idea. No other animals either. Yeah, cats don't go to camping vacations. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people would say that it was like hurting cats to try to get people to go to the events, but... <laughs> Yeah, some some you know, I mean, I I obviously I was at events and things like that. People would come, people would go. I you know, I mean, I I don't get emotionally attached to how many people in the room really. You know, right. I'm, I don't feel like Free Talk Live is going well if the room is full, and I don't feel like it's going poorly if the room is um, empty. Mm-hmm. Those aren't feelings that I have. I know that there's all kinds of things going on. People want to see Stefan Molyneux roasted. And I hear there were some really, really great jokes that were done during that roast. It was probably oh, yeah. at three hours. It had to have been a lot of bad jokes, too. But um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were just a lot of great performances there from the Wheels Off Liberty um, live recording was one of my favorite to favorites to the roast to all kinds of other events. It's just impossible to describe everything. And I think part of the point of the what the organizers of Porkfest try to do is create different events that are going on at all times. So they can yeah. kind of have some friendly competition and people can pick and choose what appeals to them the most. And a lot of people choose not to go to any of the official events and just kind of hang out and see what happens. And that's a great time as well. I can't imagine that nobody makes any official, uh, the, the, the too many people don't make any official events. I but, almost made none, <laughs> but uh, but part of that was because I was working with yeah, Reade, so I got called a well, lot. Well, you did some of the official events. You did the yoga on there. And, I you know, did. I taught people, a yoga class. I saw people doing the downward facing dog salute to the sun or whatever it is. <laughs> and, you know, yep. it's awesome. It's I mean, you you had a, what, a group of 20 uh, people out there, you know, yeah. doing, doing the yoga on multiple occasions, I saw. Uh-huh. I had two classes. The first, I was I only going to do one, but there was another a demand for for another one yep. and i was going to do a third but it was rainy the second half of the week so mm-hmm. didn't do it and then they had uh, the kids carnival with the bounce house and all yeah, kinds and you of, were in the dunk tank uh, weren't the you dunk tank was whoever was running that dunk tank was a sadist oh that man was awful <laughs> 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 he put ice in that thing and then he would Ooh. pull he'd pull the cord even nice. when the kids would miss it was awful oh. uh, I, but i was in for maybe uh you know 10 or 15 minutes and frankly it was torture wow <laughs> so um anyway i had a good time i thought I something I I wish I'd have participated in maybe was the uh, humans versus zombies uh, mm-hmm. sort of young adult game mm-hmm. uh, where kids would I guess you you know you start out with a certain number of zombies maybe it's one I couldn't tell you mm-hmm. and zombies have bandanas on their heads mm-hmm. humans have bandanas on their arms or maybe their legs mm-hmm. um, I couldn't tell that entirely and then humans would be able to defend themselves with uh, sort of foam rubber swords and uh, nerf guns. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess if struck, a zombie must stay in place for 10 minutes or something like that. So the human has a, has a chance to get away from the zombie. Mm. I wonder how many people actually stayed in place for 10 minutes. Me too. But, you know, <laughs> as the case may be, right? <laughs> and uh, it basically it goes that a zombie, once, once, once it touches a human, then converts that human into a zombie. And then, that, then those zombies must go out looking for more human, fresh human flesh to convert. Mm-hmm. These zombies are not staggering. Oh, zombies. These are, <laughs> you know, these zombies are the... Uh, as agile and quick as a 15-year-old. And, um, they you were know, 15-year-olds. <laughs> multiple 15-year-olds <laughs> coming at you from everywhere. Uh, so, I mean, it was, it was awesome. I saw a couple of people go down in a blaze of glory. Wow. So, I mean, you've got this, uh, this, this sort of foam rubber samurai sword and a uh, pistol in one hand. You're trying to take out zombies and whack others. When the, it, was, it was like six zombies on one kit, and he went down. Wow. Went down. Oh, that's exciting. And it was, it was really, really neat. And you can't play a game like that too many places. Right. You, yeah, there's you've got to have enough kids to make it happen. I mean, you have to have a group of, 
at least a, a couple dozen kids to mm-hmm. make um, something like that happen. And, and it looked like a lot of fun to me. I did go to a Halloween party this year up in the region of New Hampshire where I live, where it was the theme was zombie apocalypse. And a few people started off at the beginning of the party as zombies and they had zombie makeup on uh-huh. and they would have two clothes. Each zombie would have two clothespins. They would try to pin it on someone else who was a human. And then if you got a clothespin pinned on you, you were bit by the zombie and then you had to get made up as a zombie yourself. And by the end of the party, everyone was a zombie. Lots of zombies. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your two clothespins. Go ahead and find somebody. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, I, I imagine it's a lot of fun. I talked to several of um, the vendors there, mm-hmm. and they made bank. Yeah. Um, the, you know, I don't know. I, as, from what I can t- take from it all, you should have silver and food if you go to Porkfest. Yeah, <laughs> I believe the um, the alcohol vendors did well. The um, you know, well, they were giving it away for suggested donations, right? Right. Well, yes. whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, they might have been doing. Um, and, you know, a couple guys, three guys I know that were selling food. And the ones that were selling food sort of serious mm-hmm. made money. Yes. It once, if you were, if people went to your tent a couple of times and found you closed, you know, they began to, you know, just gravitate. I think mm-hmm. more and more throughout the week, people gravitated towards the places that would deliver food yeah. regularly and consistently. So um, much of it was just having a presence at a stand. Yeah. Yep. There was uh, George's Famous Baklava. There was another, like, uh, Our Food, Your Gullet or something like that, yeah. uh, where they would cuss at you and then give you, uh, you know, fatty Polish food. I didn't and like that so much. The Windigi. Um, I, I, I ate all these. <laughs> <laughs> Free Talk Live. Give us a call at uh, 603 603- Four three five eleven zero five. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal, but something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait. There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to LibertyStickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. LibertyStickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. It's Mark. And Stephanie. It's Live Sunday edition. Coming to you from uh, Keene, New Hampshire. The post Porkfest show. First show back in the normal LRN studio. That's right. Uh, so, you know, everything's back to normal now. And, uh, you know, if you want to get a little news about Free Talk Live, you can go to news.freetalklive.com. There we have, uh, you know, you can sign up for our email update list, our Twitter, our Facebook. All these are, are options for you. It's news.freetalklive.com. We've been discussing Porkfest, uh, mm-hmm. our, our takes on it, uh, the adventures, the things that we saw. And we have a call from uh, Kurt in Manchester. So let's find out what Kurt has to say about Porkfest. Kurt, you there? What have I done? Kurt going once. Kurt going twice. We'll just put him back on hold. Hmm. 
Maybe he wants to get him in a second. He's composing his thoughts. (laughs) Taking a nap, going to the bathroom, who knows? So, um, yeah, you know, one thing that I I was thinking about Porkfest is, um, you know, you were talking about the the, the free aid tent that Mm -hmm. you were running. And this is, what'd you say, 20 um, health practitioners or so volunteering their time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what you were giving classes and administering first aid. So Mm, we weren't giving classes. We were just doing a little education about CPR and how to use a defibrillator. Mm. How, um, I mean, you've got to have some good stories. So, right. (laughs) Well, I mean. If you're not going to violate any HIPAA rules here. (laughs) No, I think we can maintain confidentiality. But there was, I think, probably the most dramatic injury or incident that we saw was a light that a long fluorescent light that actually fell off the ceiling on the pavilion where a lot of the events were held at Porkfest. Yes. And it funny enough, there was a woman who was wearing a balloon hat made by someone who lives in Keene that actually saved her. If she, if if it would have fallen on her and she hadn't been wearing the balloon hat, she would have probably taken the brunt of the impact. Good heavens. Yeah. The light actually um, kind of ricocheted off her and then unfortunately did hit another gentleman kind of in the forehead. So uh, a free aid volunteer, Jacob was there and, and kind of helped him patch up his, his forehead. We saw a couple dog bites. We saw a skin infection. We saw, um, well, about the, uh, the the forehead strike there. Now, was it the mm-hmm. the, the frame of the light that uh, that cut him, or was it the fluorescent bulb itself? Um, I believe it was the frame of the light. Yeah, I see. Dog bites. <laughs> yeah, a couple of dog bites, and you know, the, for the amount of dogs that were there, it was it was pretty good. There were only yeah. two of them, and I think, at least in one case, the dog was somewhat provoked or was unattended or something like that you know we we always hope that nobody gets injured but inevitably there's a thousand people and who knows how many dogs and uh a lot of pandemonium (laughs) happening it sounds like good news to me frankly but uh, you know everybody wants to hear these good stories and you've got some so um and well i you know in past years at Porkfest, i know we've heard some stories i know ian helped out once with someone who had maybe had a little bit too much to drink and was maybe in some danger had passed out this year or no, no in, in years past. Yeah, yeah. And it was hearing stories like that that really inspired us to have free aid volunteers on call every night because we knew that people would be drinking at Porkfest and, you know, maybe using some other substances. So we figured that in the, you know, in the spirit of harm reduction, it would be best to have someone available to help if need Somebody be. who would understand, mm-hmm. you know, the, the conditions that are going on at Porkfest, perhaps not uh, not send somebody off to the hospital just willy-nilly. That mm-hmm. can really, you know, that, that, can, that can put a real crimp in everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys were doing that. I mean, I, I tell you, there was one night where I stayed out all night long drinking and... <laughs> Frankly, I you know I don't know how it got to be five in the morning. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just kept drinking, kept talking, had a good good old time, and yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of the nature of uh, how these things can go at times. People, like I said, I don't want I don't want to give the impression that Porkfest is nothing but a debaucherous uh, event, but well. people were certainly enjoying themselves. I mean, whatever that means to them, and people have a lot of different ways of relaxing and and, and having fun. But, uh, you know, getting back to kind of the reason that free aid was there, there there were a few people this year who got, um, I guess, maybe a little too intoxicated, but we were able to help out. And there were there were a few times where some of our volunteers would kind of sit with people who were feeling confused or overwhelmed, maybe because of uh, some intoxication. And uh, that that I think was very much appreciated by the people. And, you know, they they didn't it wasn't like they needed to go to the hospital or anything. They weren't in danger. They weren't vomiting or passing out or anything they kind of just wanted someone to sit with them and and help them calm down a little bit were there bit. any people that were passed out there were a few that um last night the the most 
I guess the biggest party night of Porkfest. Yeah. There was, uh, I was on call and there were a few calls during the night. And uh, we had signs up all over the campground with our Google Voice number, which rings to my phone. <laughs> that says, you know, call free aid on this radio channel yep, or this number. Yeah, yeah. You your own emergency number. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it really was like you described at the last show, Mark, the, the agorist ambulance, I guess this you could say. Exactly what it was. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we did get a couple of calls last night and um, there were a few people who... I think it had a little too much alcohol and they were past, they were kind of sleeping in unsafe places like alcohol is a dangerous drug. Honestly, it it really is. I mean, I'm not, of course, going to not going to say who, but there were a few people who had had other substances and, you know, maybe felt a little bit overwhelmed or paranoid or confused, Mm -hmm. but definitely not to the level. I mean, there were some people who had a lot of alcohol and became belligerent or violent or were really in unsafe places. So, it, you know, it, it was really great because Free Aid has 20 volunteers, but there are a thousand people at Porkfest and maybe even more at some points. I don't really know the official numbers yet. I bet there were more than a thousand people, but you know, yeah. it's just a guess on my part. It certainly seemed like it. But the great part was that people had friends and people who were bystanders who were willing to look out for people's safety. And I think that we did a great job that, you know, there were no catastrophes. People generally had a very fun time from what I heard. And um we were able to help out in in the situations where we were needed. So um, kids, mostly, did you see kids or adults? Um, which ones? Um, I'd say calls, it, it was one? mostly adults. Mostly adults. And actually, it was kind of funny. We Like the, the food vendors would always say, oh, we get this rush around, you know, six, seven o'clock when everybody wants to have dinner mm-hmm. right before the big event starts at night. We would actually have kind of an injury rush around the same time. (laughs) (laughs) It was really strange. It was like, you know, anyone who's ever worked in a like an emergency room will know that often it's dead for several hours and then a bunch of patients come in at once. They come in uh, in little bunches like grapes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was some of it was, you know, honestly, a lot of it was um, some cuts. You know, some people would probably were cutting themselves preparing dinner or something like that. And uh, I always worry about that. Yeah. That can happen anywhere. Definitely. So obviously it could happen here. Um, You know, one thing, you know, we went through the show prep here uh, beforehand and Mm -hmm. I was thinking, um, you know, this might be a good time to to pop in with this. Many people who are at Porkfest um, have been doing the low carb thing. George from George's famous baklava had this uh, this train wreck sandwich, which which I had one and it was a good sandwich. Mm -hmm. Um, It was it was a gyro. But instead of a pita bread, it had a a bacon weave that he had made like 10 (laughs) 10 pieces pieces of of bacon. bacon. And. It seems like this big, dangerous heart attack to eat. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people are doing the low-carb thing, and they're losing weight. Mm-hmm. And you did this at one point. I sure did, yeah. I, I guess in recent times, I guess the low-carb or maybe paleo way of eating where people try to mimic the diet of cavemen, basically, has kind of swept the liberty movement, and a lot of people have become interested in it. And you mentioned um, Mandrake we had on the show last week actually and he's lost about 40 pounds eating this way he used Mandrake to be has lost 40 pounds yeah he, he <laughs> okay. used to be a vegetarian and uh yeah now he's eating bacon and lost 40 pounds well, the fellow from uh, australia said he'd lost like 100 pounds wow doing it um, you know, he's a big guy and he's got some more to lose but uh you know it, it, it's a diet that works i mean i can't say anything else beyond that i'm gonna shouldn't take your medical advice from talk show <laughs> Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. Give us a call. Talk about your diet. 
The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. We're doing the live Sunday show here. And uh, when you go to the, get a chance, get on the website, take a look at us in the cam. Stephanie's much better to look at than I am. And the, I think there's a clearer <laughs> view of her anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a chat room there. You can uh, get the stream. You can hear the audio from the, uh, the cam stream. So it's cam.freetalklive.com. We don't guarantee to watch the chat. Actually, I... Never watch the chat because I find it distracting. Absolutely, the, I, you know, the, the chat is for for listeners. In my opinion, yeah. <laughs> they should be able to uh, do it. Sometimes, you know, I, it's not like I've never popped in there, but mm-hmm. you know, doing the show, I can't do that and talk and and do everything. Sometimes, you know, maybe during the break, I suppose that it's appropriate. But uh, generally, I you know, I've, I've got Farmville or whatever. Yep, we got to focus. We're working hard for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kurt. From Manchester has called back. Excellent. And I think... We might have had a button press that wasn't supposed to be I think it was my fault, yeah. Kurt, are you there? Oh, I'm here. Okay. Hi, Kurt. I can hear you this time. Okay, there we go. Hello. Yeah, I made it to Porkfest last year, and I enjoyed it thoroughly, but I couldn't make it this year. Oh, too bad. Uh, Yeah, well, life. You know, you get a a job, but they want you to actually show up to get paid. They do want that. I appreciate that. that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I take... Liberty a bit seriously. I look at it from a from a rather um, serious standpoint. So I'm actually rather unhappy that I didn't get to go because Robert Murphy was there mm-hmm. and Stephen Molyneux was there, and I like those kinds of things. And uh, there so, was, you know, they were know, they were both great speakers. Maybe the midwinter thing will be more along the lines of something I can get into. The Liberty Forum. The Liberty Forum, where people, you know, they stand around and talk because there's really nothing else to do in the middle of the winter. <laughs> Not going to see the kids out playing uh, zombies and, and humans out in the snow in uh, March in New Hampshire. Although last oh, winter, no, the, I'm sorry, the last winter, not not 2010, but 2009, right? Uh, I'll take but, your word for it, yeah. Um, maybe I have the years screwed up, but anyway, <laughs> the last time there was a Liberty Forum, um, I didn't go to really go. any of the official speakers. I mostly hung out at the Alternatives Expo and I hung out with people that it I don't a lot of fun. get a chance to see. Yeah, Kurt? Well, I'm I'm one of those people who would have really enjoyed Mandrick's uh, death-defying hero there because I, when I went when I went low carb, it actually took 20 pounds off in almost no time at all. It was wow. amazing. When when you say no time at all, how long did it take? I got serious for about six months, and I lost about 30 pounds. Wow. So when you lose 30 pounds, for you losing 30 pounds is how much? I mean, is that a is from, that all the fat from, you wanted to lose? From 220 to 190, not quite as much as I mm-hmm. wanted to lose, but better than I had done under any other circumstances before that. A lot mm-hmm. of people, I've heard say this, because it's, it's a diet, but it's, it doesn't require sort of the same torture, it seems, that uh, mm-hmm. many diets can, can require from you, so the low-calorie diets. Um, well, it's well, true. It there have been... Oh, go ahead, Kurt. I'm sorry. Thank you. It doesn't require the same kind of, I'm not going to eat now. 
But good grief, finding something to eat is a pain. It can be, yeah. I, yeah, it's like, what can I eat now? Well, I can't have anything from here, and I can't have anything from there, and the only things in the freezer are burritos. I'm stuck. <laughs> right, you There's know, I've had all eat. the hard-boiled eggs I want to eat. <laughs> no, please. Well, but that, at Porkfest... I think at Porkfest it it was made a little bit easier because there were a lot of different low carb options. I mean, not only did we have Mandrick's meat, but we also had a salad stand. Yes, there was. You know, a good salad stand. Several. Oh, I would have. I would have very much liked that. Definitely. Mm, yeah, there's just, just for a snack. I mean, something to go out, something light. A salad is light. Something I want a snack, but I can't very well can't get a salad from a vending machine. It just doesn't work. So you advocate this diet for for other folks. I would say definitely try it if nothing else seems to be working. Now, I've heard people say, well, yeah, sure, you're going to lose weight on it, but you're going to have a heart attack. No. Does anyone know my anything about this? Yes. My cholesterol dropped into the toilet. Well, no, actually, it was a good thing. This, my cholesterol was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my ex was Chinese. And she would cook lots of things with rice and noodles and things. Mm -hmm. And for six months, she helped being low carb. And it made an incredible difference. Are you still doing it? You know, it's just too hard. I can't go to the vending machine and get anything. I can't just go out to lunch with people and have anything. I have to actually plan things. It's it's like, it's difficult. It can be difficult. uh, I went for starvation instead. Um, after my wife kicked me out, I got depressed, and I went for starvation, and it's working quite well. That but, is the only uh, diet plan that's ever worked for worked for me is the breakup <laughs> diet plan. Aww. I always depression. I look you know for me, it's it's awesome because whenever I break up, I I look awesome, right? Because all the, yeah. the you know the twenty pounds right or whatever there, I'm, I'm carrying right around falls right off, and you know. <laughs> Great. Yep, I was. I didn't eat for two weeks after getting the papers. I just stopped eating for two solid weeks. It didn't. Uh, it didn't bother me in the slightest. I'm so sorry to hear that. So much for that whole Asian girls sticking with you and standing by their man thing that I've always heard about. Um, if you want, if you it's want a little a bit, bit of, of a collectivization, it Mark. is. It absolutely is. That, you, but like, you don't think you, guys collectivize girls? I'm sure they like do, but that doesn't make it right. Psycho- <laughs> if you want a bit of pop psychology in the Stephen Molyneux uh, tradition, mm. she was brought up under the tradition of Mao. Sing, learning English by singing songs to Mao. Wow. Mao is great. Mao is good, and all the rest of this crap. Yes. And uh, she was, uh, well, not abandoned, but no, yes, abandoned by her par- by her father when she was really young and sent off to live with with her abusive grandmother. And so the only thing she ever oh. had that was any good was the institution. Oh. And then that's what she wanted to do with her kids, and that's why I got kicked out because I didn't want to put the kids in day in full time daycare mm. and. Mm. Uh, Mark, you actually met him last year. We met on the on the playground. Me and my little boy, um, we were out on the playground having having a blast, and we got to meet you and your son, and we had a great time. Cool. And uh, just I didn't want to put them in daycare, and she did, yep. and that was what broke us. Mm. And I'm I'm convinced that it's simply that she thought it was such the right thing to do that she couldn't overcome the idea of not doing it, and mm-hmm. it made her so crazy not to do it, that she just had to. I, I, I've, I've had these kind of conversations with people over and over again, and they, I guess, you know, there have got to be people out there that didn't have bad experiences in these sort of, uh, you know, collective uh, groups where they put children and that kind of thing. But, I, you know, I, I've, 
for me, I'm just not interested in it. People people no. think it's so strange that my wife doesn't, you know, she doesn't work. Well, in fact, she adds a great deal of uh, value to our, our uh, family mm-hmm. by, you know, the things that she does do. But, you know, she's not going out and putting our kid into daycare. And, and you know, the, the difference between sort of other kids that, that we can see that, you know, we know in the community and things like that, that uh, by the community, I mean the local land mass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. And you could just tell which ones have been in daycare and which ones haven't. For one, the ones in daycare are always sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when yeah. a, a virus will sweep right through a daycare and, you know, send all the kids home yeah. um, ill and, you know. My son's been sick maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. He's three and a half, going on three and a half here, here shortly. And, you know, I don't yeah, know that this is a good The whole socialization myth hurts, too. You look, at, you look at kids who have been stuck in the one-size-fits-all daycare school situation. They can't deal with anybody that isn't their own age and doesn't know exactly what they know. Whereas the kids who are, to use a popular term, homeschooled, are the ones who are able to deal with people who are older than they are, who are younger than they are, who don't freak out, yep. who don't deride others just because they don't think exactly like they do. It's no. I, I don't. No, go ahead, uh, Kurt. In New Hampshire, it's you know in the U.S. it's not government who's running the daycares, right? But they can often have this sort of air of day prison, just like government schools have, and. Uh, you know, I imagine there's a wide range of the quality of different daycares, but I think we can probably say pretty safely that the more individual attention a kid has, whether it be from parents or other adults that love them and care about them very much, the better it will make their life, right? Well, I, I couldn't agree more. The I got to spend seven years bringing up my daughter. Mm-hmm. And at the end of her first grade, because the wife said she had to go be socialized, at the end of her first grade, she, she, she tested out at seventh grade reading and fifth grade math because we had spent one or two hours a day, every single day through her kindergarten. Yeah, I wonder how quickly yeah. it's going to take her to lose that. It's really sad. You know, I don't... She'll just... For me, it's not about the daycares. I'll hold you on um, over here, Kurt, and uh, we can talk in in, in a second. Um, For me, it's not about the daycares or the government school or anything like that. It's the amount of kids. I don't care if you've got a family of 10 kids. I still think they're going to turn into little uh, sociopaths because children sort of turn into Lord of the Flies. You already know that you can support Free Talk Live and the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund by starting your Amazon or Newegg shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. But did you know that you can also spend bitcoins at Amazon or Newegg? That's right. Start your Amazon or Newegg shopping at spendbitcoins.com, and you can buy just about anything with bitcoins. So if you're using fiat currency, start all your shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. But when you want to spend bitcoins, start all your bitcoin shopping at spendbitcoins.com. That's spendbitcoins.com. Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. Call in, talk about anything you want to talk about. We've been talking about pork fest, low-carb diets, and now we're talking about, I think, homeschooling kids or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Kurt from Manchester's called in, and uh, you know we'll talk to him in a minute. But um, if you like Free Talk Live, you like what we're doing here, consider the AMP program. Uh, go to amp.freetalklive.com. It's, uh, all we ask is uh, $3 a month. You can set it up on a credit card. It's through PayPal. I guess there's other ways to access it, too. Uh, you can see all of them at amp.freetalklive.com. There are p- perks to being an amplifier. It is, uh, it's not just a donation. 
we give you things. We give you, for instance, uh, the Amplifier podcast. There's the BBS section for only for amplifiers. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Also, um, the SACL CAI uh, fun tent was a real blast at Porkfest. I uh, want to mention Jason Osborne. I think uh, Mark played some cornhole. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> um, and had a really great time there. And, but um, he gave away these uh, shot glasses with uh, Free Talk Live and 100 on them and the FTL logo. And it mm-hmm. was really, you know, thank you, Jason Osborne. You yes. have made this show so much better. Anyway, let's go back to to Curtin Manchester. Actually, Mark, I just um I wanted to disagree with something that you said right okay. before the break. So you said something like uh in a situation where there's daycare and there's a lot of kids together, the kids kind of turn into Lord of the Flies and you think yep. that the number of kids has more to do with their behavior than anything else. I do. Well, I I that statement kind of rubbed me the wrong way because Kids, there's this notion that kids are like evil little beasties, right? They're like in a state of nature and they're they're fundamentally evil. And I think that notion comes from religion for sure. And the idea is that they start off evil and then they have to be kind of beat into submission and made into um, good adults who can uh, who who are afraid of uh, authority figures like God and have to do things right to avoid being punished i think that's in religion i would agree with you mm-hmm. um but i would also like kurt, kurt you're on the line so if you want to chime in oh you, yeah you may i know do so. i'm listening um they're uh, I, I would like to ahead. say that i think that they they aren't evil they are animals and you know primates and they are the use they, they are the top of the food chain primate is all i have to do is watch my son with the dog and i know what you know that he steps on it he you know rides her bites her you know does all kinds of things he's three three and a half years old mm-hmm. and i didn't teach him to bite the dog i didn't teach him to step on the dog i didn't teach him to do any of these things he does these things on his own the hugging of the dog i taught him that and I think, you know, this is, it's... Are you sure you taught him that, or did he have that in his nature to express love and affection? I'm sure that he does have that in his nature to express love and affection. <laughs> but when you have, you know, a, a a troop of children who have the opportunity to either, you know, they they don't know the difference sort of, uh, you know, when you should express love and, you know, the, the detriments to expressing sort of, uh, you know, evil that... It'll perpetuate perpetuate itself. I think that in a um, in, in a situation where people don't have enough experience to know that evil uh, brings evil, mm-hmm. that they will uh, you know just continue to use it as a a force in mm-hmm. order to, to handle the, their the, needs the situation. Met. And then you know well, you've got this this descending uh, whirl uh, whirlpool. Go ahead, Kurt. Let's let's look at the situation of. Public school, not just daycare, because daycare can be a good thing. Daycare can be a chance to get together and play with a bunch of other kids in a positive environment. It can be. But the public, the, the model of the Prussian schools that we're using is coercive. It's, it's artificial in that everybody's the same age and everybody's expected to learn the same thing at the same pace at the same time. And it just, it, it, for a kid to go into that situation, Anytime they try to do something even slightly out of phase with the rest of the group, they get burned psychologically, emotionally, whatever. They get hurt. And it's in the nature of a child to experiment, to bite the dog's ears and to, to, to occasionally step on the dog and mm-hmm. to be corrected. You know, let's not do that is one thing. But to be ridiculed, to be abused for that emotionally, because kids are cruel. They don't know not to be nasty. 
to other people when they don't do what they're expected to do. And my, oh, I, my uh, opinion is the, t- the amount of time they spend with other kids in, in large groups, the more cruel they get uh, because well, the, if they've been taught all, that if behavior. They're all in the same, if they're all in the same environment, my, my mom was old enough that she grew up in a, um, in a one-room schoolhouse. She went to a one-room schoolhouse where there were lots of kids of different ages. I think that's better. And she's... She said that environment was totally different because the older kids would help correct, help teach, help the younger kids to deal with what was going on. At the same time that the older kids were being taught by the teacher, they they would then teach the younger kids. And it didn't matter how old you were. It only mattered what you could do and what you were able to learn, what you knew already. You You could achieve whatever balance it was that you needed at that time even though it was a school environment. And I, I think that has a lot going for it. I, I know how it was when I was teaching. My, my daughter was much older than Jack. Uh, we got into a progress of she would do the lesson. I, would, I had an online lesson that was um, structured. Mm-hmm. And we would go through, I told her, two lessons from that, a math sheet. I would print her up a math sheet of whatever level she was doing at the time, and then some reading. And we would go through the answers and we would discuss what it was if she'd gotten something wrong. We would discuss what it was that she'd gotten wrong and how it was wrong or how it was right. And she, if she had a question, we would discuss that. And we'd go off on tangents. And her imagination was, was really charged by that because mm-hmm. she wasn't stuck learning the same thing everyone else was stuck learning. You know, I think limited to that. I, 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 you know, I'm entirely for that. That's, you know, that clearly I'm not trying to critique, um, you know, the the homeschooling or anything like that. And I think no, that no, when no, homeschool no. groups get together, you know, that you know, kids are together for shorter periods of time. They don't have the opportunity to really internalize the sort of bad behaviors that I've seen from kids throughout my life. Um, and, and, indeed, because in a, outside of a school situation, if bad behaviors begin, they can be broken up. They don't have to get stuck in the same class as that abusive kid who's been torturing for the last five years. I, I had that. I went through a, a school situation where for four years I was tortured by the same bully. And uh, I remember a situation where I bumped into him by accident, and he got abusive. And I looked over at the teacher, and the look in the teacher's eyes was very clear. Hit him. Kill him, Kurt, because I can't. And the, just it was, it you was, know, this whole thing. You. If you want to... Beat the crap out of them. Go, please, go right ahead. I got to jump in here, Kurt. This whole thing about kids and so-called bad behaviors. I don't really think that bad looking at kids as bad is the right way to look at things. I think that kids need certain things like, you know, they need basic things, food, water, shelter. But they also need attention. They need love. They need support emotional support. And I think oftentimes when those needs are not being met, they try to meet them however they can. So if that's by, you know, acting out and getting attention in kind of a, a negative way from adults. If you treat a dog badly and don't give it attention and leave it out in the yard all the time, it's going to become a bad dog. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. you know, I'm... I, <laughs> but but to look at a kid as bad or naughty because I guess what they're you're doing is, something is I'm not going to get... call the kid broken, mm-hmm. but I am going well, to say, well. because the, the fact is, I came up in these environments. Yeah. And I think that one needs to decompress once getting out of the government school apparatus apparatus it's so harmful that um you know i'm i'm not willing to not call somebody who's uh whose mind is twisted by it bad 
Because if they're, you know, if they if their behavior is bad, but are they bad or are they just kind of mirroring what they've seen? They're in acting their bad a whole lot, really often. They're, they're what in I a kind bad of see. environment for them. Something something about the environment isn't working for them, and they are they are creating a bad situations, feeding back on itself. They act out badly. That maybe they're nasty because they feel that people are being nasty to them, so they're nasty to others, and then they just get more nasty, come down on their heads. It seems to me that the bad behavior is helpful in many ways in the environments of school and daycare and these uh, areas where they put a lot of kids that the same age in a group. It, it seems like it can yeah. be very helpful. Well, it can, it can be a costly way to get those needs for attention met, right? But I, I don't know, saying that, that a kid is nasty or bad, I mean, so, <laughs> so many times when kids are being so-called bad – they're just not obeying what adults want them to do. If a kid is running around and being noisy, oftentimes the, ki- the parent will say, oh, the kid is so sure. bad. They're not doing exactly what I want them to do. I'm just do. talking about beating other kids, insulting other kids, belittling other kids. This is really yeah. the kind of thing. And it, and, and it perpetuates, um, you know, name calling yeah. and that kind of thing. And it's, I under- Well, that's it's a, a different, yeah, we're talking about behavior. different things, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, Go it's ahead. negative behavior. It's not that the kid is bad. It's that the situation is reinforcing thing the, the kid is doing something that is not working in this situation really just not working now admittedly the guy who was torturing me was in general a, a, a not someone who was a happy guy he was really very unhappy but sure. the way it came out is that he was un- i was unhappy and i went inward Kurt, my, thank I you very much free talk live 603-435-1105 Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 90 talk radio stations from coast to coast. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our 90 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. Give us a call. We've been talking about all kinds of different things. And uh, during the last uh, segment, we were kind of going over, I, I guess there was a diff- disagreement on, well, you know, are children evil versus are they acting evil? And I, I, I guess I want to give everybody a chance to, you know, go back to their corners, calm down, <laughs> <laughs> and decide what they really mean when they say, these, you know, talk about these things. And so I, I, Stephanie, I think you're mostly right in that, um, you know, when I experienced as a, as a child many of these things, and I'm not going to say that I wasn't an abuser because I absolutely learned how to do this behavior in Christian school, how to treat kids that were lower than me on the, uh, the whatever popularity scale yeah. or whatever it is out there, like crap. Mm-hmm. I knew how to do it um, and did it. And... But, you know, like, so the kids that, so if a kid is acting in a certain fashion, they're getting a lot of good feedback from that fashion, they manage to move up whatever social 
strata there is within the schools by acting in a certain way. And certainly it would be worse if they were on a desert island with with sharp sticks. Uh, but, you know, in school there's a certain level of control um, and – you know, if a kid acts that way on a pretty regular basis, then I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that it is. So is bad behavior indicative of a bad kid, I guess, is what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I certainly agree with you with what you said about kids being kind of analogous to animals, I guess, when they're when they're younger, because maybe they don't understand natural rights and sure. it, they can't really respect the rights of others. I guess they don't they don't really understand that. um I don't know. Maybe they do understand that if you poke someone, they'll feel pain. And, and because they can feel pain themselves, they can have empathy for the other person who's feeling it and not want to poke them. You know, maybe they can understand it. And there's I certainly think that there's kind of an age of reason where kids can tell clearly whether something is wrong or agreed, you know, violates the non-aggression principle, essentially. But but then what happens when they do that behavior in order to to make somebody feel pain, whether it's sure. whether it's an emotional or physical pain, because both of those things happen as often as possible. Yes. It well, seems I think- to me that we have moved in sort of human society from a, um, you know, we're slowly moving along the, uh, the, the paradigm from sort of violence to an enlightened way of evolution of how we deal with each other. You know, there was a time I when, hope so, anyway. when leaders got their glory. They literally used this term, glory, mm-hmm. by going and conquering other people. And this meant slaughtering, raping, killing, pillaging, you know, doing the whole deal. And wait, 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 wait. That, that still happens today. It, it does, but it, I don't think that they call it glory in the same Some way. Some people do. Okay. The real hardcore nationalists would probably indeed, say, indeed they do, yeah. and you know those, you know, sadly those people, you know, they're 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 getting everything that they want. Yeah. Um, but I think that a lot of people, I think we're moving from that slowly, you know, down the the pipe. Yeah. I'm not saying I it's agree. fast; it's I not agree. fast enough. Just in the same way we're lo- moving away from slavery to freedom. Yeah, it's slow. Mm-hmm. And I think that kids, you know, they're, they're, you know, sort of we're being they're being drug along in many ways. The public school system and, and many of these other private daycares and private schools and things like that, because I went to private school from kindergarten through eighth grade. And often um, I think in the Liberty community, certainly certainly my co-host Ian uh, during the weekdays will often sort of conflate because most of his experience is in government school. So government mm-hmm. school bad. Yep. But. I didn't see a lot of difference between government school and private school in the way that kids comported themselves. It's the same model, the same structure. It's kind of this uh, hierarchical structure. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. And when I, you know, the the difference was is I was with the same basically 50 kids Mm -hmm. from kindergarten through eighth grade. So we had all our baggage we brought with us along the way. And um, I think that it's less so with public school because it's, you know, there's. 250 sometimes um, it depends you know how big or small the school is right admittedly uh, you know when i went into from um, public school excuse me private school to public school there was a big shock mm-hmm. so you know maybe public school is somewhat worse i don't know i mean i just remember some bad stuff from private school too yeah and, well and if i could just jump in yeah. here i mean look at all the abuse that's done to kids in school they have to ask if they want to so much as use the bathroom they they have basically no privileges they have to sit in one spot all day which must be excruciatingly boring i think almost everyone remembers that and not only that but they get kind of told what to do they have no autonomy and so there's a lot of kind of abuse that goes on and i think people who are abused oftentimes 
unfortunately tend to repeat, repeat that abuse onto other people because number one, they're desperate for someone to empathize with them. Just nobody has ever acknowledged that, that hurt that was done to them. Nobody has ever empathized with them at all. And so if they abuse someone else, then they, kind of get that need met in kind of a strange way i don't know um okay so i largely i agree with sort of if you break the 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 the, the model that we have here that you'll get a better result mm-hmm. i agree with you for that i'm just trying to think you know i think that there's this culture of dominance oh that's yeah inside schools and i don't know Definitely. that it's i don't know that it is even uh, created by the sitting in classroom the teacher the, the hierarchical thing the mm-hmm. sit, you know and, and all that stuff the, the begging to go potty i think all those things are bad i do mm-hmm. but i don't know if this sort of you know three or four kids getting together and needling the crap out of one of a, you know a weaker one is created by that or if it's just kind of flows down through the centuries of when it was okay to do this when you know like the river runs through it when boys you want to find other boys and just begin to fight did you ever see that read this novel no i'm not familiar (laughs) (laughs) you know it's a a seminal uh american literature and um you know i think that this is i think that this is just kind of how it was at some point that the violence was there and that you know the conversation continues a friend of mine was in the marines um i'm not going to mention his name but he's a you know a longtime listener to the show and he was talking about how you know the marine sergeant or whatever during a drill class was talking about the rag man and uh slutty molly or something like that Mm. and he said the rag man who was when was the last time this guy never saw a ragman this was 1974 ragmen went around in the turn of the century these uh, that these uh, drill sergeants had their own sort of oral history and i think that mm. there's so much of this stuff is passed down this is you know this might i think it's I just a narrative of violence and violence was historically pre- present in more of society that's what i think and that mm. um, that essentially the more enlightened people are you know separating themselves from the less enlightened people in w- any ways they can and they're trying to break those paradigms but you know you still have those paradigms going on in different places at different times and they they creep in they're infective um and you know for instance would well, you agree that they're perpetuated that for instance you know they're not broken by the but the, the, the well, oppression right. school system that's for sure mm-hmm. like i don't know i just see this this kind of idea in multiple places in culture it's not just in prussian style school systems where there are people who are telling the kids what to do and then the kids get a little older and they want to tell other younger kids what to do and so forth but it's it's also in like you know people who go into um, police work or go, mm-hmm. work for the tsa it's like mm-hmm. they've kind of been stepped on their whole lives they've been abused and beat up and told what to do and yelled at and then finally it's their turn and they want to get onto the top of that ladder and they want to do the abuse that was done to them to someone else. It, in and some cases, that's true. I, yeah. But I also kind of believe in the, the Stanford prison model where you can take just normal folks, turn them into prison guards, mm-hmm. and they switch in an instant into sadists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's because there's a narrative behind it. You know, when you take our kids and turn them into soldiers Mm -hmm. they're going to act like soldiers and soldiers have historically been really evil people really awful people and you know then people will stand there and they'll put their hands in their heart bar brave boys and they don't know the kind of horrible atrocities a that their boys do and b that they're subjected to yeah because you know that this ruins them. Many of them. They come home with the PTSD and the oh, whole suicide thing. rates are extremely high in veterans. More, more, of, <laughs> more of our soldiers are killing themselves than, than are being are killed by combat. the enemy. Exactly. And by our soldiers. I mean, you know, I, I, I would prefer not to pay for these people. Um, you know, yeah. more of the government soldiers. If you let your kid, uh, you know, be 
indoctrinated and, and go off into this. I mean, I, you know, I, I feel terrible for your your losses, but uh, that's what you're going to have. And seems so to often, me the reasonable course of things. So often, it seems like they almost. I hate to use this word, but kind of prey on people who don't know exactly what they're getting into, maybe young and a little bit um, ignorant, and they're signing this contract for a very long time and don't realize the extreme cost that they might be paying. I think they go after, uh, oftentimes for enlisted men, they go after people just to have A, nothing to do, and B, no money to do it with. Yeah. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. It's the Free Talk Live Live Sunday show. Uh, we're coming to you live at freetalklive.com. I guess uh, we're, we're really I, we're on some other streams around the interwebs sure. somewhere. I'm not sure which ones. <laughs> uh, I know that there's a bevy of them. Many people who take Free Talk Live kindly and put us on their sort of internet radio stations. Including the LRN.FM, right? That's LRN.FM. Yep. And it is a bit, that's what Ian's put together. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in business with him <laughs> regarding it, but he programs it and he should program it, frankly. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're coming streaming live there too. But soon we hope to be on uh, GCN, being put on the satellite, carried on radio stations, up uh, on XM and all those kind of things. So, but for now, we're just doing the live internet show. It's uh, it's Mark. And Stephanie. And I think we'll probably bring some co-hosts in here over time to uh, kind of spice things up a little bit. But, um, you know, largely it's going to be Stephanie and I doing it here. Indeed. On, we make a good team. Yep. And if you want to come <laughs> check us out at uh, cam.freetalklive.com, you can go to see the, you know, See the see the cam on the the website. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. You can uh, figure out ways, various ways to promote the show. I think that Free Talk Live is one of the very best ways to bring people, and I think mostly young people, but I mean I could be wrong, but bring people to the ideas of liberty because it's infectious. Um, mm-hmm. It is uh, they can sit there, we can you know talk to them if they if they want to listen to podcasts, if they want to listen to talk radio. Free Talk Live can really make a difference. Not yep. saying there's no room for the academic guys out there, but I, you know. Oh, this- I can't tell you how many people I've met who have said, oh, you know, I've, I've said, how'd you find the ideas of liberty? Well, I started listening to Free Talk Live. I just stumbled across it or my friend recommended it or something like that. Got to give people the content that they want in the form that they wanted. And not everybody watches TV or videos and not everybody reads books. And some people just like audio. Yep. People want um, the ideas of liberty to spread and promoting Free Talk Live, whether being part of the Amplifier program or just putting out uh, flyers and doing things so that other people uh, you know, get to hear Free Talk Live. These are ways to spread the ideas of liberty. It's so, activism. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have some of those ideas of liberty, maybe you'll want to go on a cruise with me, Stefan Molyneux, and Wes Bertrand of Complete Liberty. I was uh, hanging out with um, Stefan Molyneux and his wife, uh, Christine, and, and their daughter, Isabella. Um, you know, Isabella and Jack were playing, and um, it, was, it was really the cutest little thing. I, I suggested to Stefan that we just get them married now. <laughs> 
that would be an arranged marriage. Yeah. I don't know if that's consensual. No, but we did talk about the idea um, that it, you did, there's there's probably some benefits to it. Uh, you know, like the Indian culture where they'll take kids that are five years old and marry them off. When you grow up with somebody, you probably have are very attached to them. I. I could see that, but I have a really hard time using that to justify. Oh no, it's not, it's not a justification. No, <laughs> I'm no. just saying. That, you, know. you can grow up with someone without being promised to them. I think there are benefits to circumcision, but I won't do it to my son. I think there are benefits to piercing a child's ears, but I won't do it to him. And I just, you know, that that's the only thing I'm pointing out here. Sure. sure. And it really has nothing to do with this cruise. Uh, you, <laughs> the cruise is not a convention on the water. It's an unconference where the events what you want to make of it. It'll be kind of like Porkfest. You can do what you want to do. You can go to some of the uh, the planned events. There'll be some speeches and a debate. I know that uh, Stefan Molyneux and Wes Bertrand are going to team up on me in a, a tag team cage match whether voting um, is moral or immoral and we're It's gonna... a nonviolent cage match, right? Yeah. Yeah. Should be very funny. He's hilarious. Stefan Molyneux is hilarious. And Wes uh, is, is a great thinker in the uh, Liberty community. Anyway, the boat has a lot to do. Go check out cruise.freetalklive.com. I hope to see you there, and I hope you have as good of time as I do on it. So we were um, discussing what, – what, no, we were discussing previously in, in the show uh, the, the ideas of uh, sort of the low-carb diet, and I wanted mm-hmm. to uh, revisit that because there there's a punchline in this that we didn't quite get to. Yes, exactly. Well, Kurt, Kurt had called from um, Manchester and brought up the idea of low-carb eating and said yeah. that he had adopted it as a diet for about six months. And, and you have too. Well, not yes, I have, but it's but more than six months. I don't think of it as a diet. I think of it as a lifestyle change okay. um, because I started eating low carb about mm, almost nine years ago. Now, mm-hmm. at this point, I was obese as a kid and as a teenager, and I initially lost. What, is, about, what does obese mean? I mean, I, I know it means fat, right? But how fat? Very fat. Yeah. <laughs> like so, you're a little blueberry or what? I mean, you're just kind of kind of a tubular shape. Way, way more you're a beautiful fat. woman now. I got to Thank see you, you doing the um, the the yoga thing and <laughs> you have awesome legs, you know, like like the, the kind of thighs that could crack a guy's skull. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm just I, I didn't know that that was hiding underneath the pants. I mean, you, you know, you don't wear revealing outfits or anything like that. So, uh, you know, how were you a little chubby? Or were you fat? Oh, really fat. You were yeah. really fat. Okay. Yeah, it, embarrassingly so. I mean, okay. it, it was picked on a lot for it and stuff like that. And, you know, um, both my parents were obese. And statistically, when both parents are obese, you have a 90% chance of being obese. Uh, the kid has a 90% chance of being obese. Okay. So I thought to myself, yeah, I'd really like to beat those odds. But I, I had tried eating kind of a low-calorie, low-fat diet. The normal diet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I would eat a big pot of rice and I'd be so scared because I'd put like one little tiny piece of butter in it. And I'd say, oh, the butter's going to make me fat. But it turned out it was the rice. <laughs> and uh, I started eating. I found well, out that little. During, uh, and I remember this was during the 90s. There was a, uh, a pop, a di- the diet that was going around, eat all the carbs you want to eat. Oh, yeah. Eat no fat. Yes. And there was this gal named Susan Powder. Uh, mm-hmm. And I may have her name, you know, pretty close. But she was, uh, you know, she was thin. She was in good shape. She had the spiky, you know, bleached blonde hair. Yep. And she looked like, you know, man, she was into it. Mm-hmm. And basically she said, eat any carbs you want to eat. Have all the carbs you want. Do not eat fat. Right. Fat is fat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... And she wasn't the only one, too. I mean, there was a famous cardiologist, Dean Ornish, who had a book that promoted low-fat eating with, like, less, I think, less than 10% of calories coming from fat. Mm-hmm. And... 
you know, I think it's true that people have differences in their metabolism. And for some people, they're more suited to eating a diet that's higher in carbohydrates than others. And nowadays in 2011, most people kind of agree that the refined carbohydrates like white sugar and white flour are, are kind of on the on the lower end of uh, the healthy food spectrum. They're, they're not very considered very healthy. But, uh, you know, it, it didn't used to be the case. And in, back in the 90s, when the government was recommending that you eat 11 servings of grains every day, and that that be the base of the food pyramid, which I know you've talked about a lot on Free Talk Live, <laughs> the companies were adding sugar to things, and they were adding flour to things to replace the fat. And, you know, what resulted was 10 years later, <laughs> after the food pyramid came out, it, it wasn't that people were getting thinner, people were getting fatter, and diabetes was increasing. So, yeah, you know, it kind of prompted some people like Dr. Atkins. I don't know. Does anybody pay attention to the damn food pyramid, though? I mean, you may, maybe you're a right. A lot of people did. A lot of people took it very seriously. I it, mean, it does promote exactly what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it says you know eat, eat meats very sparingly and cheeses and anything that contains fat eat very yeah. sparingly. It does say that. It's, it says exactly that. And yeah. you know, and those are the things it. I want to eat the most. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, there there have been some people that have kind of looked at that uh, critically. And uh, as time went on, there were more studies that were done on both humans and on, on animals and in the laboratory. But, um, you know, the human studies really bear this out that eating a low carbohydrate diet that's rich in not only protein and fat, but also, you know, kind of things like vegetables that are very nutrient dense, things like spinach cauliflower broccoli that yeah, kind of you stuff. Eat that stuff yeah it's good for you yeah and um i think there's po- kind of a popular myth that low-carb dieters eat nothing but bacon all the time yeah that is not true the studies have shown when people report their own diets low-carb dieters eat the most vegetables of any group even vegetarians because they can yeah yeah and uh so it worked out well for me i guess we'll get into it more when we get back we still have to hit the punchline yeah. 603-435-1105 free talk live live sunday You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Free Talk Live, Sunday, 603-435-1105. Call in, talk about anything you want to talk about. And while we're waiting, we'll be talking about uh, low-carb diets. <laughs> if you don't like that, you can always go to bbs.freetalklive.com. There's lots of hundreds of thousands of posts there to read. Uh, many, many, many people interacting. It's bbs.freetalklive.com. And... I want to tell you about meds.freetalklive.com. If you're taking any medications on a regular basis, uh, whether it's birth control or heart meds or you know diabetes medications, things that you have to take on a regular basis that are prescription, meds.freetalklive.com can help you out. Um, we've got their discounts as high as 70% off. They'll deliver them right to your door. All you have to do is go to the website, meds.freetalklive.com. Click Become a Member on the left-hand side of the page. There's also an 800 number. You can call that. If it's uh, off hours, they'll call you back um, when, when they get in 
weekdays, Monday, you know, what, what, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. or something like that. Their customer service is excellent. They'll walk you through every step of the way. They do a third-party certification to make sure there's no counterfeit drugs. Those are big in the news right now. Plus, you'll save a lot of money. They can even work with you on your insurance. You should. Just do yourself a favor. Call them. It's not like you'll be committed. Just call them. Meds.freetalklive.com. All right. So um, we were talking about the uh, the low carb diet, and you were sharing some of your experiences here. And you've mm-hmm. got an article about it. Uh, what does the article reveal? I do. It's it's very interesting. It says it's from popsci.com, so a popular science magazine website. They, everything they they print is gospel, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's just it. I mean, even the name popular science, it may be a little bit uh, simplified, I guess. But th- there's a lot of interesting things in the magazine. There's absolutely for for sure. Science is cool. I'm a I'm a self-admitted nerd, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so the study is, an, or the article is, an ultra-low-calorie, low-carb diet is sufficient to reverse type 2 diabetes, study finds, by Rebecca Boyle. Patients who consumed only 600 calories a day for two months were able to reverse their type 2 diabetes, according to a groundbreaking British study. The research involving just... We'll start, wait, we'll say it one more time. So patients who consumed only 600 calories a day for two months were able to reverse their type 2 diabetes, according to a groundbreaking British study. And this was a low-carb 600 calories a day? Uh, yes, it does say that. Yeah. 600 calories a day for two months. That's very small, yeah. Very so small. Um, when, when you say reverse, does this mean it goes away forever and ever? I don't know. I think we should um, read the study. Okay, go ahead. And and yeah, I mean, type two diabetes is interesting because it's it basically is the most common type of diabetes. This is fat guy diabetes, right? Y- yes, exactly. Okay. So Patients there's there's the be... juvenile diabetes, which is kind of insulin shots and stuff like that. Yes, and then type That's two. An, type one is an autoimmune disease where the body destroys the cells that produce insulin, which are in the pancreas. Mm-hmm. So they have to inject themselves with insulin, and they type ones actually tend to be lean usually. And uh, for type two diabetes, it's basically thought to be um you know the the pancreas kind of gets overloaded yeah. they actually produce too much insulin for most of their lives and so they have high levels of insulin which causes the body to store fat and uh, it also causes some other effects like maybe some increased cholesterol and increased cardiovascular and this risk is pretty much going to happen to you if you're obese for too long right uh the odds it's much more likely okay. it's a risk yeah so this um, type 2 diabetes is um, an excess of insulin, and then eventually the pancreas kind of gets tired and, and stops producing insulin. And so sometimes they become dependent on insulin injections as well, but sometimes they can just take medications that kind of uh, tweak things a little bit to make them more sensitive to the insulin they do produce. It's still my contention that uh, man, the primate, uh, mm-hmm. human, whatever, homo sapien, mm-hmm. um, in the wild doesn't live much beyond 35. And uh, this really mm-hmm. only serves to back, back it up. Sure, yeah, because... If pancreases can get tired and and worn out, then, you know, you're screwed. Yeah, well, every part of the body does get worn out, but, I mean, one could also make the argument that in... In Paleolithic times or primal humans, I guess the way that they ate was vastly different from the way that humans eat today. I mean, even just... So you don't think their teeth were bad? I think their teeth were probably very bad. And that's what kills them, right? Uh, I don't know if that's... I'm not an expert on this, so I don't know for sure. But it would seem intuitive, right, that uh, that they probably didn't have much I've heard that, like, you in know, the way of dental hygiene. Cavities will kill you. you know? <laughs> they can. I mean, they can get, you can get a dental abscess, which is basically a cavity gone wild where the bacteria from your rotting tooth get into your blood and make you go septic. So that's not good. 
how often is that going to happen if a cavity is left untreated? I mean, is that going to always happen if a cavity? Well, yes, but the question is how you know how common were cavities in in Paleolithic humans? And, sure, because they're yeah. not eating um, sugars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And as but I understand that cavities are caused by bacteria in your mouth, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, and bacteria produce acid, which wears away the tooth enamel yep, and then yep. eats the tooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Continue. Yeah, I'm sure there were a lot of dental problems. Let's put it this way. I, I wouldn't have wanted to be face to face with a Neanderthal with them breathing in my yeah. nose. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the study, this is back to the article now, the, the research involving just 11 patients, so it, it is a small sample size, suggests... It's important, though. Yes. I mean, how are you going to get more than 11 people to go on a 600-calorie diet? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I want to see some proof before I, I live two months on a 600-calorie diet. Sure, sure. Um, so the study just involving 11 patients suggests a very low calorie diet can remove the fat that clogs the pancreas, allowing normal insulin secretion to be restored, according to Newcastle University. Now, the fat that clogs the pancreas, that's a little bit of a misnomer. It, it's almost conjuring up images of clogged arteries, but it's it has a grain of truth in that, in that fat can actually accumulate in the pancreas. And that's kind of what I referred to when I said I the cells get tired after over time after producing way too much insulin. Gotcha. Yeah. So seven of the 11 patients remained free of diabetes three months after the study, researchers said. So, okay, so they had to follow this diet for two months, and they can only eat 600 calories a day. Um, So after two months uh, of eating this way, they were diabetes-free three months later. So that's pretty impressive. And how much weight could they really lose in two months? I mean, I bet there are people who would say... 600 calories? Yeah. It's almost starvation. Yes, it is. So your body will... cease to lose weight as efficiently mm-hmm. under those circumstances um uh i don't know i'm i'm not sure i mean if you're starving you're you are going to lose weight and especially in this case they're eating a low carbohydrate diet and so their body is not producing insulin now normally insulin people think of it as the hormone that gets glucose into your blood cells mm-hmm. that's why di- people with diabetes that's uncontrolled have high blood glucose but insulin also does a lot of other things it tells your body to maintain muscle mass it tells your body to store fat it's basically a hormone that says i'm full so store those calories for later on so it's yeah. an anabolic hormone essentially so in the, the, the we're coming from um, this with two different sets of uh, of knowledge and mm-hmm. i suspect yours is greater than mine <laughs> um but you know, from the personal trainer standpoint, I always, always informed that you don't let your uh, customers, you know, clients, whatever, mm-hmm. um, go on too low of a calorie diet for too long because their body will essentially their metabolism will begin to slow down. Mm-hmm. And then you have the the worst scenario that you want them to, you know, have the energy to be able to exercise and work out. Now, obviously, uh, you know, the diets that I was ta- taught to put people on mm-hmm. when I was a personal trainer are entirely different than the sort of low cal um, low carb uh, diet that uh, we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, we just went with sort of chicken, you know, breast <laughs> yeah. and um, well, you a wanted potato. Probably and- your clients to get protein because, I mean, you probably wanted your clients to have lots of insulin, especially after their workouts, to preserve their muscle mass and to grow their muscle mass. So, um, yeah, I think it's probably a, a little bit different situation because these patients are probably obese. And it didn't say that they were even on an exercise program at all. So um, I, I think the point of this, when the, the whole point of low-carb diets is to reduce circulating insulin levels. And uh, since insulin is a hormone that tells the body to store fat and, and kind of preserve muscle mass, when you have low levels of insulin due to eating fewer carbs, 
um, your body is more apt to lose fat. It's not apt to hang on to fat or to make more fat. Right. So that's the whole idea is to get the insulin very low so that there's like a rapid weight loss. Yeah. Yeah, what do you in these circumstances? And this this sounds you know like this is huge, right? Like yeah. how many of our listeners um, you know have diabetes can you know, oh, realize probably a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean you know it just happens. I mean thirty three million Americans is I think yeah. yeah. Lots of you know, lots of fat people listen to our show. You know, lots of skinny people, lots of these things, and you know you can change your life with this kind of diet. And uh, they can find that where. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this this article is from popsci.com, but. Yeah. Look it up on the interwebs. It's out there. Please. (laughs) Free Talk Live Sunday. Free Talk Live Sunday edition. Give us a call at 603-435-1105. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. And we're just, you know, talking about all kinds of different things. Um, you know, Free Talk Live, usually we're on a bunch of different radio stations. Free Talk Live's uh, syndicated on, I think it's 105 radio stations now mm, across nice. the country. It is nice. And we created the Sunday show with the the intent of sort of talking to uh, you know, get, get, being able to get at the message out to more people because on Sunday on talk radio, there's just really nothing out there. Mm. Um, it's going to take a little while for GCN to switch one switch or something to uh, be able to put us up on the, the satellite. And I, I don't know, there's probably some, a little more work to it. And then once we're on the satellite, I suspect it'll be very short order before we're on a few stations and then XM is kind of looking at us. So stay tuned. Free Talk Live Sunday will uh, will grow, sprout wings, and and fly away at some point. <laughs> but you'll still be able to listen to it. Maybe that's a bad analogy. Well, I think it's great that Free Talk Live is going to step up and fill this market niche. I guess that's being unfilled right now. There's definitely a lack of programming on Sunday nights. And 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 thank you for taking the time out of your schedule, Stephanie, to uh, to, oh, to be with me and hundred percent my pleasure. Do this show. <laughs> you are um, so busy. You're going to school, doing research. <laughs> uh, you know, you do. I think two other shows of your own that i do yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah like you don't have much time on your own and and then hey, you i go. make time for the things that are worth it that apparently you do <laughs> so um one thing that i sort of have trotted out recently um is that uh and i want to take this last segment here to to talk about it is the free state project is this fantastic idea of moving mm. if getting twenty thousand people who believe in the ideas of liberty to sign up um, at freestateproject.org to agree to move to a state was the original idea, and that state was chosen at 5,000 people to be New Hampshire. Um, now, perhaps the, it was a mistake to choose New ha- um, to choose so early in the um, uh, at 5,000 rather than, say, at 18,000 or something like that, mm-hmm. because when the signups were going up, they were just trucking along um, on up to 5,000. And once the vote was held, mm-hmm. basically the numbers have been kind of getting inching up since then up hmm. to this 20,000 number. So it went to 5,000 skyrocketed up there and it's, and it's now at 11,000. It's just kind of been, you know, pretty flat. I think the vote was in 2004, um, uh, 2003, because I joined okay. right after the vote happened in 2003. And actually I would have, it was important enough to me to live somewhere with more freedom that I would have moved 
anywhere sure. that uh, freedom lovers were gathering and I could see some actual things happening for liberty because it was just so miserable in Massachusetts where I was living before. And New Hampshire was pretty easy for you to move to. Oh yeah, just a hop, skip and a jump kind of thing. But uh, what I'm what I'm really thinking about the vote being kind of held so early was that it's great that New Hampshire was chosen because it allowed people to start moving early. And the the early yep. movers have been the real story in this situation. Right. I mean, so, so I mean, you know, and I, I don't disagree with you. I, I entirely agree. I just think that, you know, maybe eight years later or nine years later, we can look back and I think it might even be longer than that. Mm-hmm. Nine, or, nine or 10 years later, we can. Um, and even having talked to Jason Sorens and listening to some of the speeches and uh, sitting in with Varen Swearingen, who's the uh, Jason Jason Soren's the, the founder. He came up with the idea. And Varen mm-hmm. Swergen's uh, basically the longtime president of the Free State Project. Yeah, He's recently not now. replaced by Carla Gerke. You're right. Is my former is co-host on She Talk Live. <laughs> um, yes. And, and indeed. But and but he was has been like the president the, the longest period of time. And just yep. listening to these guys talk. And I think that, you know, this is these are some critiques that they floated. I'm mm-hmm. not making these up. Mm-hmm. I think that the Free State Project is a success today. You've oh, got yeah. an active civil disobedience crowd, if that's the thing you're into. Mm-hmm. Um, more importantly to me is that the p- political action is working. The uh, you know the free staters have gotten into the house. They reduced the budget by an unprecedented twelve percent. If that doesn't sound like much to you, and usually go it's find growing out. by multiple percent, right? right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go if you don't think that that's that's um, a big deal. Go check and see what your state's budget has been reduced by. Because I bet it's the only state budget that's been reduced this year. I'm just guessing. I don't know. I don't have um, this information sitting in front of me. I don't even know where to go look for it. If somebody wants to send me an email, tell me where to look for that information. I'd love to have it. But I suspect it's the only state that's uh, budget has been reduced, and it's the largest reduction. And New Hampshire's already the freest state, and you know, free state project members are mm-hmm. uh, are responsible for a lot of freedom. That's, um, that's well, that's going on in the that's state. the thing. I mean, living in Massachusetts, where there was a sales tax and an income tax, and basically maybe a few other libertarians, but it was extremely difficult to meet friends that were like minded and. Oh, I couldn't get a date to save my life. I mean, with another libertarian. I mean, I couldn't imagine that now being surrounded by such yeah, great people all the time. Yeah, sure. And being but a, even a if, woman in the Free State Project is, is, is helpful, too. Oh, it's kind of like Smurfette sometimes. But, <laughs> so, but, but it's getting but it's getting better. And the thing is that, you know, even if the Free State Project didn't exist, I think I still would have liked to move to New Hampshire because not only does it have a lot less taxes and regulations and less burden of government in your everyday life. But the people who already live here have this attitude of live for your die, live and let live kind of kind of espousing the non-aggression principle without maybe realizing it overtly. But there's kind of just this mindset of uh, of freedom that's already here. Now, um, the, so what I'm I've created is this organization called the Free State Project Completion Campaign. Oh. And um, I've, you know, I, I did it about a year ago. The 1.0 version was cumbersome. Mm-hmm. It had some uh, sort of technical difficulties, the, the fusing with the state Free State Project and getting information transferred, getting people to understand the technology, the phone, phone telephony um, stuff. And I was involved in this. The, the requirement to have enough people calling at one time that it kind of, you know, withered on the vine for a, for a period of time. And this was essentially, for our listeners who aren't familiar, it was essentially like a cold calling thing, right? It was kind of a 
list. Ba- yeah, it was it was a it's a liberty list um, of you know you get, we get I get lists from politicians or liberty politicians who are popular. I use that list to call those people if they were um, the lists of donors or you know people who are active. If those mm-hmm. people are active or donating to liberty candidates, I assume that they're a pretty hot prospect for the Free State Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is to call them up on the telephone, say ring ring, hi, you know, wouldn't it be great if a bunch of people moved, a bunch of libertarians moved to one state? <gasps> Hot damn! We're doing that in New Hampshire, and um, you can you can be a part of it, and you know get them to agree to sign up. Send them the email. You know the if anybody signed up for the Free State Project, this you go on the website. We we fill in the information for them, and then they send a confirmation email. Mm-hmm. And you know there's nine thousand people left. Uh, to sign up and the intention is is to get this done somewhere between you know a year to two years from now so that we can all be sort of celebrating um you know making the twenty thousand and and you know how great that is the free state project is a success it's a success today and it deserves to be celebrated as a success instead of having sort of the naysayers out there in the media and people who dislike the idea for whatever reason saying ah the free state project's a failure they're at eleven thousand they've been languishing for forever and you know just it it's it's a terrible idea. And I was just poking on, around on the website and trying to see when, at the rate that the signups are going, when it's projected to hit its goal. But do you know that? I think it's like 2026. Somebody mm. could do the math. I don't want to wait pretty. that long. <laughs> it ain't pretty. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I don't even know that the 20,000 number means anything. If you care enough about liberty, you probably picked up and moved already because you see the success or you're thinking about it or whatever. You know, maybe it does. Maybe, you know, maybe people, somebody does want to wait till the number gets to 20,000. That's fine. But I feel like if you're waiting until 20,000, you're just waiting. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> like the first 1,000 that are here already are just super activists. Yeah. And, and things are getting great. done and they're happening. If you wanted the results, you ca- you've got them. 12% mm-hmm. reduction in the state budget. There's civil disobedience happening. There's media being created. I don't know what else you want to have. Yeah. Um, if and you know what the result's going to be, you can take a look. You know, get in on the ground floor. And I talked to lots of people at Porkfest that are moving. And, you know, for me, the project, this Free State Project completion campaign isn't about movers. It's about getting the signers. I hope they all move. I know that many of the people who have signed up in the past aren't going to move. Sure. I know that uh, people, you know, I'm, it, you know, for the Free State Project regularly, I know that some of the people that aren't going to sign up, that are going to sign up for my Free State Project completion campaign aren't going to move. This is a reality to me. I don't know what the numbers are. I want to get it to 20,000. I think an outbound calling program is uh, works for that. If that sounds good to you, then you should go to freestatenow.com. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I need, I've got lists. I've got the, um, I believe, I shouldn't say anything until I've got I believe I'm going to get two very valuable lists. I'm not going to say it because I don't have it in my hand. Yep. I have gotten an agreement from a politician um, from a state that is south of here that ran an extraordinarily important campaign within the last two years. Um, and he has agreed to give me his list and I'm going to be in contact with him and, and, and get it. And, and he wants to, you know, he's like, I'll give it to you for free. That's hmm. that's how on board he is. Hmm. I have another one who ran a very important uh, liberty oriented campaign out west, and he is a it, his it's tens of thousands of people. This is what we need. Plus, um, my oh, there's music. I can't believe it's taking me long this long to explain it. I, <laughs> I'm going to continue talking about this uh, when we get back. If you have any questions, call in at 603-435-1105. I've got to trot out the most important part of this, the numbers.
you know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal, but something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait. There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to LibertyStickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. LibertyStickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. Some rock and metal, isn't it? Oh yeah! <laughs> Free Talk Live Sunday edition. This I feel is, like banging my head right now. <laughs> this is Mark <laughs> and Stephanie, <laughs> and, I, and we're rocking out with you here tonight on a uh, on a Sunday night. And um, bef- before we were, you know, brutally interrupted by the big break, we were talking about <laughs> my idea, uh, my my more than an idea, my my plan that I've been implementing called the Free State Project Completion Campaign, and. It went through one iteration previously, the, the 1.0 version, and, and this is the 2.0 version, the, the keep it simple, stupid version. And if for no other reason I'm going to pick this ball up and carry it across the line because of embarrassment, um, you know, prior to the uh, Free State uh, Project Completion Campaign getting started, I even, uh, you know, like I, 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 th- I think I called names of the board, called the board names at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I really have to succeed here or, or be considered like an idiot. Um, and I, I have the capacity to make this work. It's really coming up with the time. And well, you know, Mark, to be fair, no one else is trying. Yeah, but but it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> Nobody else called them a bunch of uh, stupid effing idiots. Um, <laughs> so you know, and it created a big hullabaloo. There's you know, there's 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 got to be animosity still out there, and um, you know, I've apologized all over the place. But what are you going to do? You know, that's the way I felt at the moment. I was well, trying to can, deal yeah. with the the board, and the board knows that it is ponderous and slow. Mm-hmm. And there are people that have legitimate concerns about the, you know, the, the, the Free State Project completion campaign, and I, I get their concerns. But to me, it's important to reach the 20,000 numbers so that the Free State Project can be the, the success that it is. Um, and I want that to happen. And I've implemented things, and they're, they're started already. The, the 2.0 version isn't an idea. It is a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Buchanan, the guy, the Walk for Liberty guy, he uh, walked across the United States to promote the Free State Project. Mm-hmm. He's he was a big, in Libertopia. Yep, he is a, a a big, big advocate for liberty. He is basically it's it's two people. Me, mm-hmm. I'm doing the fundraising and list acquisition, mm-hmm. and that's happening. I know I've got the you know I'm, I'm, you can believe me I'm, I'm making it happen. Um, mostly with list acquisition that I've got to need some more money. I'll tell you about that in a minute. <laughs> but um, Will is acquiring the signers. He is uh, making the telephone calls. Oh, awesome. And more than that, he's found another system. 
that he's been kind of working um, recently. And I was like, I'm not going to work. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have an almond cut on my throat. Uh, <laughs> just a bit of an almond. like the, Not like the whole thing blocking a windpipe. Oh, just like that's a, so annoying. Yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. So, um, if you need some CPR, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some CPR, for God's sake. <laughs> um, <laughs> you shouldn't offer me CPR. The, so I've completely lost my train of thought. Here's Will Buchanan. I'm he's sorry, a- <laughs> Mark. Yeah, Will's going to be making the calls, and he's found a different system, right? <laughs> He has a new idea that he implemented. He um, apparently his parents came into town, and you know Boston's nearby. They went down there for a weekend or something to have a, a good old time. He thought, you know, I'll bring some of these trifolds. There's two ways that people can sign up for the Free State Project: mm-hmm. either online, and they'll get sent an email to uh, verify, or a trifold, which mm-hmm. is uh, you know it's just a piece of paper that's folded twice to make three panels and they can you know read about the free state project and sign up on the back and that'll Mm -hmm. get turned in both of these are legitimate ways to sign Mm -hmm. so he brought some trifolds with him we have to have trifolds in case you know the many people who get on the telephone with you and and say oh sure that sounds like a great idea and then you say well let me have your email and they say i don't have an email address whether they actually have one or not i I tend to believe about half of them, in fact, do have an email address. They just don't want to give it to somebody on the telephone. And I understand. But so we send out a trifold. We follow up with them um, if they don't send it back in two weeks and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he has these trifolds. So he takes them down to the Boston Common. He's standing out there. He's getting four signers an hour. Wow. And this means that I can probably... Um, you know, at some point, make my sponsorship lower. If I can find, find this as replicatable, I don't know if this is replicatable. Mm-hmm. At this point, um, the Free State Project pays one hundred dollars per signer in advertising. Wow, that's when, really yeah, high. When they start campaigns, that's what it costs: one hundred dollars per signer. Wow, and it's extraordinarily mm-hmm. expensive. Mm-hmm. My campaign is thirty-five dollars per signer. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. I should be able to get that hone winnow down to something lower, and I believe that I'm going to be able to do so. But you know, this is uh, when you're uh, you know a first. Uh, what do they call those people that that acquire early, early, uh, early movers? Or? No, no. I mean, it's sort of in general, people that buy things early on. Oh, early, early adopters. adopters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're an early adopter, you always pay more for a technology, and I'm yes. creating a new technology, and I need people to sponsor movers mm-hmm. or sp- signers. Excuse me. I'm not guaranteeing movers out of my signers. Um, and I'm making it happen, but I need the help of everybody. Mm-hmm. If you take a look, just do the math. Uh, 9,000 signers are, are what we need to make 20,000. Mm-hmm. The Free State Project at $100 a piece, what is that, $900,000? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what the, the Free State Project needs to, to come to completion. At this point, at the rate we're going, we're talking um, 2026 to reach. I've got a plan to get us there in a year to two years. And I'm offering $35 a signer. If you believe in the Free State Project and you've tried to get other people to sign up and you haven't been able to do it, this is your opportunity to you know, really practice what you preach. Mm-hmm. You want the Free State Project to be a success. Go to freestatenow.com and sign up there to, be, to sponsor one mover or excuse me, one signer, three signers. 10 signers, you know, whatever it is that you can get, I will deliver. If I have to get those signatures myself, (laughs) I will deliver to you what you pay for. I guarantee you're going, me, Mark Edge, I guarantee you're going to get what you pay for when you sign up and give me $35 for a signer. Mm -hmm. You should have to sign up. It's PayPal there and, you know, go to Free State 
uh, freestatenow.com and, and check it out. Yeah. And we're making this happen. It's it's occurring. We've got dozens of signers at mm-hmm. this point. Um, well, actually, dozens and dozens of yeses. I don't think we've quite got a uh, got hundred yeses at this point. And basically, Will's been putting a few hours in per week, you know, a handful wow. of hours per week. We want to ramp this up. But I needed something to show so I can have some money to really be able to make it happen more so that I can hire more people to do it and be involved and, and make this happen. Can you imagine for a second if I could have somebody at every corner of Boston Common taking everybody who gets walked by, getting four signers per hour? A good week of signers for the Free State Project is 10 to 15 signers. 15 yeah. is a, a good week. 25 is like a massive week. Mm, that's so, when the media happened or something. Yeah. I can make that happen in two hours on Boston Common yeah. with four people on each corner. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's no big deal. I can make this happen. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to just stay there two hours. They're going to probably stay there four. Mm-hmm. So obviously anybody who's done this kind of work, this kind of recruitment work, this face-to-face thing knows that it is arduous, difficult, emotionally tiring work. You know, going to sure. door-to-door and asking for money, these kind of, this, these kind of jobs that are mm-hmm. out there. This is difficult work, and I, you, know, you have to compensate these people enough to make them want to do it. To make what about them... that sweet uh, Coke money? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just use some of that? I wish I knew where to get some sweet Coke money. <laughs> you know, the, uh, Charles, the Coke brothers out there, they're supposed to be funding all these things. They're, they're funding the Free State Project to take over New Hampshire and cut down all the trees. That's what the uh, critics of the Free State Project say, yeah, that, some oh, nuts. that Coke brothers are funding the whole thing. It's nefarious. <laughs> so if you believe in the Free State Project as much as I do, or at least partially as much as I do, please go to freestatenow.com. And help us out with this. Um, I'm going to be, you know, working on this every day. Well, maybe not every day. Certainly, several times each week to make this happen. I'm going to be acquiring lists so that we have uh, people to call. I'm going to be, um, you know, making sure that we have enough money so that our, uh, you know, people that are out there doing the recruiting are paid. You know, and you know, that that's what we need. We I need money to make this happen. Sure. And I can make it happen a heck of a lot more efficiently and a heck of a lot faster than the Free State Project can. So please go to freestatenow.com and sign up. Now, two quick points on this, Mark. Yeah. Um, I've noticed a bunch of people sometimes saying things on Facebook like, well, if everybody who's in New Hampshire now or every every signer, current signer to the Free State Project, yeah, one more just signer. convince two other people to sign up or one yeah. more person sure. to sign up, then we'd be at the goal already. Yeah. And They did that back in uh, 2006, and I actually went and did that, mm-hmm. and I got my golden porcupine pen, oh, and cool. apparently not everybody else did. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, I mean, it's it, it's true, and it sounds nice, but... It hasn't really gotten off the ground, and I haven't really. It's seen not going to get off organized. the ground. Go to freestatenow.com and donate. <laughs> <laughs> you have another point. We'll get to it. All right. 603-435-1105. Plus, we have uh, you know a really cool article from LouRockwell.com. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. Free Talk Lives, Sunday Night Edition. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. And we're you know coming to you live on a Sunday night. 
You know, if you're uh, listening on your computer right now, you're thinking, oh, yeah, you know, there's some things I need to pick up at the store. Maybe you should go to shop.freetalklive.com. Um, instead of you know, going out there and spending your gas money to go into different stores and things, you can go to Amazon or Newegg. Amazon, they have pretty much everything there. And Newegg, well, they have technical stuff. You know, <laughs> well, I, I, bought, I actually bought a bunch of stuff for Porkfest on Amazon dot, or shop.freetalklive.com. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you out there in uh, podcast land, you can, you can do the same thing. It's shop.freetalklive.com. Also, you know, the U.S. dollar is, dollar is devaluing. Devaluing. Why? Well, bah. You can see it <laughs> happening every day. You know, at some point, a new currency will take over. Wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor of that currency? Bitcoins. They're decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world, and their value. Well, they've been they've been trending upward. There's been some uh, real hits to the value of uh, of bitcoins recently because of uh, one website getting hacked. But I I think they're going to bounce back. That's my opinion. Maybe in a month you'll be kicking yourself in the pants if you don't get them. It's you can go ch- check out uh, bitcoins and find out more at weusecoins.org. It's weusecoins.org. And um, before the break, we were talking about uh, my idea of uh, the Free State Project completion campaign. Stephanie, you were um, you know, had some uh, things you wanted to sort of ask or, or talk about, and uh, we sure. talked about one of them, and that was that was that I've seen some kind of um, I would say uh, half baked efforts, I guess, to mm-hmm. get every person who has been a current signer of the Free State Project to recruit one more person, and yeah. then we would reach our goal. That would be great. It would be great. We're at 11,000 people. The vast majority of them don't remember signing up for the Free State Project, I would imagine. Don't read the newsletter that comes out. Have no idea that this is being requested from them. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, I I went and did this the first time that I remember, um, you know, maybe it was 2005 or something like that. Mm -hmm. I've gotten my three people for my golden porcupine. I think I got them before I even moved up. Mm Mm-hmm. And you got the golden porcupine. Yeah, I have the little pen, and I'm off. It's it's awesome to have the little pen. I'm all into the little pen, but you know, I I don't clearly not a lot of people were motivated by the golden the the golden porcupine pen because well, there there are some like doers who are gonna Mm -hmm. you know get ten twenty. 50 people to sign up for the Free State Project. And then most people will probably just sign up themselves and not be able to convince anyone else. And and then probably some in between. But the point is that even though I've seen people kind of requesting this, it doesn't seem like it's quite making the cut. So I believe it when you say that it may take some money and some serious effort to get this off the ground. Right. You know, all the all the free ideas have been tried. Please mm-hmm. go out and do the free ideas. I would oh, yeah. love to say it doesn't the, what you're doing doesn't stop anyone from doing the free ideas, by the way. No, it of doesn't. Of course not. You know, I, I just think that this at this point, 2011, um, you know, the, the idea of the Free State Project, I think it was generated in 2001, trotted out in 2002. I yeah. could be wrong. So but, it's been about 10 years. Yeah, it's yeah. 10 years. We need to hit that 20,000 number and we need to do it very soon. Just getting making the numbers move up quickly will be a, um, a a huge you know shot in the arm for the free state project just to see the numbers beginning to rise people will be excited about it and when we actually hit it there can be a big media blitz and i think it'll get a lot of attention and you I know so. it's at least 20,000 right we want we would love it if more people signed sure. up and came to new hampshire yeah I, at, th- at that point i think that they'll probably give people the opportunity to sign up if they wish to sign up but i and, you know, i think I the think... signing thing is is really rather pointless the only thing that sure. matters is moving sure and i think once 
a lot. You know, New Hampshire has changed a lot, even just in the five years that I've been here so far and that you've been here too, Mark, because we moved around the same time. That's okay. I've seen I've seen a lot of different changes happening. And I think that those changes will continue. And eventually, New Hampshire will become kind of a beacon, you know, like a place where people want to live because it's better. It's more free and it's better suited to their needs and their lifestyle than than other places to live. I imagine this conversation taking uh, one segment and we're working on three. What's the second? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's, yeah, we got other stuff to get to. What's second, uh, the second issue? Um, well, you're... when you're saying where you got these lists of people to mm-hmm. call and kind of uh, prospect for the Free State yeah. Project, you said that you obtained them from some politicians. And my first immediate reaction was, okay, well... These are politicians, and this is kind of one one type of uh, person who sure. might be interested. How could we reach out to the people who maybe are interested in liberty but not politics? But then the more I thought about it, I realized that, you know, so many people who end up becoming, I, I don't know, maybe more more developed in their ideas of liberty, more radicalized or expanding beyond politics once they actually get to New Hampshire, started off doing politics. Yeah, because do. oftentimes when you're in a state where you're surrounded by Lots of people who are not active for liberty or not even into liberty at all. It seems like politics is kind of the only option or the only thing going on that you can actually do for liberty. So, you know, I think that those people who are on those political lists might be good prospects. Two thoughts there um, Mm -hmm. regarding that. First off, the list of liberty activists that work outside the system is a darn hard list (laughs) to find. (laughs) Second thing, I think that the outside the system activists have a far better recruitment system mm-hmm. than the inside the system activists do. Mm-hmm. I think that the inside the system activis- activists are, are a little butt hurt here in New Hampshire because they feel like the, uh, the the outside the system activists, they get all the press because they're doing they're, there's more motion in the things that they do. I don't know whether the things that they do are more or less effective I, at this moment in time after the state budget's been passed at uh, you know, a 12 percent reduction. I tend to think that they're less productive, but that's that's just my opinion sitting here. I don't have. A desire to keep those folks out. I have sure. more in my mind just the belief that you know we're reach there. Those people are being reached, mm-hmm. and you know my yeah, goal they're is, seeing videos and stuff, and they're inspired to move. And yep. those are the same kind of people that are less likely to sign up for the Free State Project in general. That's, they're more. They're, they're, they, I'm not going to say they're not going to move, mm-hmm. but they they just won't sign. Yep. You know, I know um, a lot of people like that, and you know, that's and that's fine too. So all I'm really looking for are people that are going to say yes. Uh, I'm I'm willing to move and and write that down on a piece of paper, click on an email, and yeah. that way we can get to that twenty thousand number. Yep, I see where you're coming from. So if uh, if you'd like to be involved, it's freestatenow.com, and by involved I mean donate thirty five dollars, sponsor a mover for thirty five dollars at freestatenow.com. And we were going to talk about um, this this article that I've gotten here for from Lou Rockwell. Yep. Why half of Americans think that a depression is coming in the next year? That's a pretty bold statement, huh? 48% of Americans believe another Great Depression is likely in the next 12 months. Hmm. And 19 reasons why they're not completely crazy. This is from the Economic Collapse blog, and I guess it was reposted here. Um, Did you believe the U.S. economy is steamrolling towards a depression? If so, you're not alone. According to a recent CNN poll, 48 percent of Americans believe that another Great Depression is likely in the next 12 months. And you know, what kind of poll is? I'm a little skeptical of the poll. Did, uh, what were the methodology? Well, Probably I, doesn't say. Anything. I don't know. Everybody I talk to uh, tends to you know mirror this kind of belief that uh, that, that things yeah. are going down. But everybody I talk to is a libertarian, pretty much. So I don't think. I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, not everybody I talk to is a libertarian. Mm-hmm. A lot of people believe things are, are, you know, that there's there's some problems. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I from what I see from the indicators out there, a Great Depression would be awesome compared to what um, I I believe mm-hmm. is on the horizon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like there's some really awful things out there, and yeah. we're going to go through some of these reasons, um, you know, here shortly. Six zero three. 435-1105. It's Free Talk Live's Sunday edition. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. This is the live Sunday edition. And um, before we get back to the... um, This uh, blog here about, uh, you know, Americans... You know, facing... uh, Honestly, believing that we're facing the uh, Great Depression within the next 12 months... I want to tell you about uh, the AMP program. For those of you who believe uh, what Free Talk Live is doing is um, you know, a great way to spread the message of liberty, I believe it's one of the best ways out there that you can, uh, that you can do. Three bucks a month will help us a great deal to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. To get on the internet, advertise Free Talk Live on Google AdWords, Facebook, um, in Talkers Magazine, so that we get on more radio stations, so that more people hear Free Talk Live, especially on more radio stations where people who aren't trying to find libertarian podcasts, um, you know, turn on their radio after hearing Sean Hannity or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and then they get Free Talk Live, mm-hmm. and they get stuck to the ceiling of their car <laughs> about the ideas of liberty. The first time, and then after that, they want to listen more. <laughs> well, they do, often. I mean, it, yep. I, it, it happens so often. Free Talk Live's numbers show uh, our, our, you know, our PPM numbers. These numbers can't be faked. These personal people meter numbers um, show this. This is true in diary numbers too. But because personal people meter can't be faked, it shows that people listen to Free Talk Live. The radio stations, when we first get them on board, will get a lot more calls from that station mm-hmm. than we do after over time. And mm-hmm. what happens is that people, you know, hear and they begin to appointment listen. And they don't have anything left to say. If you agree, you're not calling in. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're um, you know calling in like the guy from last night, going, uh, "Well, you got to, yeah, I believe in small government and everything, but you got to support the cops." Um, you know, <laughs> you know. After a little while, they get that police are in fact the tip of the spear of the enforcement of the state. Yeah, they don't see that initially. These are these are our heroes, or boys in blue, to keep us safe from the. Well, I don't know ravaging black folks and mexicans running around wanting to kill us i don't know what uh, you know precisely i'm just, I'm, sure. I'm i'm just making uh stereotypical res- uh comments about somebody who with a southern accent at this often point. coming from a place of fear i think that's what you're trying to indeed emphasize. yeah yeah so amp.freetalklive.com do it because you love liberty <laughs> So That's 48% of Americans believe another Great Depression is likely in the next 12 months. This is a CNN poll, and Americans have been waiting for almost three years for this recovery to materialize, but instead they're getting all kinds of signs that the economy is about to get worse yet again. Inflation is rising, but wages are not. There are millions of Americans that would do just about anything to get a decent job. The misery index is at its highest 
in almost 30 years under the Carter administration. What's the misery index? That's just some kind of rating of, you know, how people feel and, mm. you know, the jobs and that kind of thing. It sounds miserable. Yeah, it's but, not good. Yeah, but I'd like to see some more firm. Uh, some of the things in this article, I'd like to see a little more behind sure, sure. it. Yeah, indeed. Uh, but I I think that what. I think that to a year and a half ago, people were talking about green shoots and stuff like that. Mm, I don't yeah. think they're talking about those as much. Nope. And so I don't know that these, you know, how you know statistically accurate any of this stuff is. And I'm always for good statistics, but at the same time, I get the feeling that people tend to think that the recovery is not so recoverish. Yeah. That um, there were a lot of banks and maybe some big businesses that have recovered. Yeah. But like the rest of us haven't. Oh, well, you know, the most of the mainstream media is kind of a lapdog of the state and they kind of just recycle government press releases or mm-hmm. at least at the very least, they're afraid to be too challenging to the government officials because that's their major source of news. And so I think a lot of that was kind of propaganda that was coming coming from the White House, just saying, oh, if you say that there are green shoots, it'll start this magic spark and the economy will recover. Well, but that didn't work. And out. it's the same idea that this is, is that, um, you know, when our currency is to some extent based on what people's belief is behind it. I mean, the the U.S. dollar has mm-hmm. nothing to back it except sort of the belief of well, people to, that w- are willing to take it. I, I used to say that. And yeah, you're right, Mark. But I, I now I say that the, the dollar is not backed by anything uh, of value, like, for instance, precious metals as it as it used to be. But it is backed by force because it's legal tender. So it says on every dollar bill, this is it has to be accepted for all debts, public and private. So I agree with you on that. But it would um, if people didn't have a belief in it, whether it's uh, acceptable or not, they'd raise their prices. Ah, uh, yes, that's true. So mm-hmm. um, the value, yeah, yeah, you know, there's there's that point. Mm-hmm. All the recent polls show that um, American and and since that that's an issue, I guess um, I want to make it clear that since 48 percent of people believe we're going into depression, what's that mean? What do they believe about our about the U.S. dollar, about our currency? Yeah, they can't believe anything good. Yeah. Yep. So all the recent polls show that Americans are more pessimistic about the economy than they have been in recent memory. World financial markets are incredibly unstable right now. Many analysts are expecting a repeat of 2008 or worse. Meanwhile, wow. our state and local governments, uh, you can have them, yeah. are <laughs> drowning in debt. The federal government is drowning in debt and governments all over Europe are drowning in debt. No, it's not crazy for 48 percent of Americans to believe that we are about to go into another Great Depression. Mm. Just think about the statistic for a moment. Remember, uh, the Great Depression meant that 20% of people were out of work. Right. And from what I've heard, the real unemployment numbers, not the ones that are reported, but if you kind of take into account the people who yeah. have stopped looking for work. They've massaged those numbers um, over the past. We may very well be, be at close this to it or at it. Yeah. You know, if you start looking, I don't know what unemployment should be rated at. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know how it was uh, quantified back then either. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's a far bigger, better scholar than I am. I mean, I just read what these people write should do it. But I, I would love to see the comparisons between those numbers and these numbers. But mm-hmm. during the Great Depression, the, as I understand, the unemployment rate was only 20 percent. I'm hoping for something that's as, as mild as the Great Depression, because mm-hmm. yeah. I think it could be worse. Um, the author goes on here. Just think about the statistic for a moment. Nearly half of the country expects the economy to fall to pieces at some point in the next year. So do wow. I agree with them? Yeah. Yes, I certainly believe that an economic collapse is coming, but that doesn't mean that it will necessarily happen within the next year. The United States is in the midst of a long-term economic decline. The next big financial crisis could potentially happen in 2011 or 2012, but it might not. There are so many variables, it's hard to predict with any certainty the exact timing of how things will play out. 
However, it is true that incredibly painful economic times are coming. Our long-term economic future looks unbelievably bleak. And I tend to – this is how I view it, and this is how many people sort of in the Austrian economist movement, they believe this. Not mm-hmm. that I would put myself in that category. I'm, I'm just an onlooker <laughs> who tends to believe that. But you know, I'm rooting for the U.S. dollar. I would like to see it do better. Better in the long term, in, in the in the short term. Here, I I don't believe it can do better in the long term. Mm. I mean, I know that these people that are playing with the financial markets are expert jugglers, trying to keep the balls in the air. But you know, you just can't keep the balls in the air forever. And mm. I don't know if it's going to be now. I don't know if it's going to be in the future. I hope that these things work out. I'm not building a, a talk radio empire so that it'll mm. collapse and so that I won't make any money. I'm doing it so that. You know, we can have really have something. I believe in the American people, but I also believe that those that would propose to rule us can ruin something and that we'll have to drag it out of the ashes. Mm-hmm. And in order to truly get rid of those that would would propose to rule us, you actually have to hit the ashes. They won't go away with a Great Depression. There's evidence. No, yes. And in fact, in the last Great Depression, it was re- replaced by bigger, you know, bigger government, more programs. Absolutely. FDR, yeah. Yeah. You're going to I mean, it seems like you need an entire collapse in order to get rid of a government. I mean, those are the, that's the evidence of, behind empires. Yeah. Um, although there there I, are some empires that went away without uh, total collapse. Mm-hmm. Although I also really do believe that if people don't have the kind of philosophical foundation or understand the ideas of freedom, if a government collapses, it's just going to be replaced by more of the same, a, you know, to, maybe yeah. a different government in name only kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. I, I think it takes them a little while to build it into a monolith. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we have, I mean, we have the oldest government on, on earth here in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, those are the claims that I've heard. The author continues. So anyone that believes that we're headed for another depression is certainly not crazy. The following are 19 reasons why it is perfectly rational to be pessimistic about the U.S. economy right now. Can I jump in for a minute before we start? You certainly may. (laughs) So the author says this a couple of times in the article. I'm not trying to pick on him, but the style of like saying, oh, they're not that crazy or, you know, they're, they're not crazy. Like just for using that word crazy. It, you think it, he's planting the idea crazy in your mind? Yeah. I, it almost sounds like he's marginalizing, marginalizing the ideas before the reader gets a chance to or something like that. I didn't but, feel that way. I mean, I've, I've heard this I, this this uh, this claim that one can you know say not crazy and mean crazy. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll go on. Yeah. You already know that you can support Free Talk Live and the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund by starting your Amazon or Newegg shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. But did you know that you can also spend bitcoins at Amazon or Newegg? That's right. Start your Amazon or Newegg shopping at spendbitcoins.com, and you can buy just about anything with bitcoins. So if you're using fiat currency, start all your shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. But when you want to spend bitcoins, start all your bitcoin shopping at spendbitcoins.com. That's spendbitcoins.com. Free Talk Live, Sunday edition, 603. Well, actually, what am I giving this number out for? This is the last segment you're not going to get through. And anyway, I want to plow through. <laughs> I want to plow through these 19 reasons, as many as of, my, of them as I can get through in this last segment, as to why uh, people that you know might not be crazy for thinking that there's a, an economic uh, collapse on the way. 48% of Americans believe that uh, something the size of the Great Depression is uh, looming on the horizon. You know, if I, there's really not much evidence that it isn't here now, but mm. as the case may be, 
uh, the author here from I've got it at lewrockwell.com, but in fact it is reprinted from the Economic Collapse blog. I think they they think they're emotionally invested in, in an economic collapse. Just a little, yeah. Yeah. So number one today, twenty five million Americans are either unemployed or underemployed. Six million of those have been out of work for at least six months. The average duration of unemployment in the U.S. is now close to 40 weeks. Mm. The official misery index, that's, um, that's, that's number one, sorry. Number two, the official misery index, which is collected by combining unemployment and inflation, is now at a 28-year high. Mm. Number three, sadly, if unemployed and, uh, employment and inflation were calculated the same way that they were back in the 1970s, the misery index would actually be much, much higher According to John Williams of Shadow Government Statistics, the current real rate of inflation is approximately 11.2%. And we know this is being hidden from us um, because it's all you have to do is go to the grocery right. store, buy some gasoline, and you'll know that inflation is significantly higher than the 3.6% that the government wants you to believe. Yeah, yeah. F- number four, Greece is on the verge of complete and total financial collapse. The yield on two-year Greek bonds is up to 28%. The European Central Bank and German government have been fighting over what to do to solve the Greek crisis. The truth is, without a bailout, the Greek government will default. If Greece defaults, it would be a huge nightmare for world financial markets. The world, and, and by the way, they don't. if you bail them out, they're just going to get into this problem again. And oh, of course. There's a completely irresponsible government in place in Greece. And by irresponsible, I mean... As more irresponsible than all the other irresponsible governments. I mean, all these politicians believe that they can uh, balance on this knife's edge. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Greeks, the, it seems to me, don't really care about the knife's edge. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, gov- government can't fix the economy, and it's government claiming to be able to fix the economy by injecting more, you know, fiat money into it that has gotten all of these countries into a mess in the first place. So, yeah, more of the same. Yeah. Number five, Neil uh, McKinnon, an analyst for... VTB Capital is warning that a Greek implosion would set off a 2008-style financial crisis. Says the quote here, the risk of a layman moment for the Eurozone is increasing. Number six, Spain is also potentially a major problem. The Spanish economy is more than twice the size of the Greek, Irish, and Portuguese economies combined. Over the past 12 months, (sighs) the yield on a 10-year Spanish bond has been rising steadily. And many believe Spain could be on the tipping point that pushes the sovereign debt crisis in Europe over the edge. Mm. Number seven, state and local governments all over the United States are cutting their budgets and implementing brutal austerity measures. For example, one small town in Alabama has actually decided that they are simply going to stop paying pension benefits for their retirees. Right, because the state and local governments can't print money and the feds can. Indeed, it's a problem they have. In other areas, teachers and police officers are being fired in massive numbers. UBS, and uh, by the way, that's something that, <laughs> you know, it's terrible for the economy in the short term, but in the long term, this is, it's a solution, right? Yeah, in most places, there are probably too many, you know, yeah. uh, those UBS, things could be provided voluntarily. It'd be, it, yeah. it, and it would work a lot better, but people yeah. just don't get how that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're not prepared for it. Um, and that's why New Hampshire is a be- much better place to be, because we're at least talking about these things. Mm-hmm. UBS Investment Research is projecting that state and local governments in the U.S. will combine to slash a whopping 450,000 jobs by the end of the next year. Number eight, the middle class in the United States is being systematically ripped to shreds. The the poorest 50% of all Americans collectively own 
just 2.5% of all the wealth in the United States at this point. 50% own 2.5% of the wealth. I've heard this statistic before, and often it's used in the context of, well, we should tax the rich and give oh, the sure, money to the poor. I'm sure it's used in that statistic. Uh, right. but, but, you know, people, people will say that, but that doesn't mean that that's a solution that's going to work. Right. <laughs> you know, of course not. That's yeah. what got us here. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these reasons so far that we've seen on this, I know this comes from the Economic Collapse blog or mm-hmm. whatever that's has kind of a stake in promoting this idea that the economy is on the brink correct, of a yeah. collapse. Um it it just seems to me to be coming to a place of fear, and these kind of things don't appeal to me so much personally, although I think it's important to kind of protect yourself in the event of an economic emergency. It just seems like arming yourself with knowledge is is really powerful and helpful. Preparedness is probably the best thing that, I mean, you know, you, I, 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 all the positive thinking in the world isn't going to stop the economy from collapsing. Oh, I, no, I because think, individuals right. don't have any control, I mean, I, uh, over the larger economy, really. Right. You know, I don't think that the, the secret is going to, uh, you know, the, the positive thinking is going no. to make the economy <laughs> not collapse. Um, <laughs> but I do think that you can be more comfortable if you have some understanding of what could be in the future. And mm-hmm. what they have said here, and, and to quote them, is is that they don't know when it's going to happen, but it's on the horizon at some point. It may be this year, maybe next year, it may be a decade from now. Sure. And that's what all the pretty much all the Austrian school of economics yep. people say. But, you know, I, I think the core concept behind it is like, okay, the government is printing these dollars and they don't have any intrinsic value. And so people rely on them for purchasing power. But in the future, they may lose their purchasing power because there are just so many of them and they don't have intrinsic worth. So the key to protecting yourself is to kind of have things that have value, like perhaps precious metals or things that you can use. A garden. A garden, yeah. A house, you know, um, things of that nature. And so if you have that, I think maybe you'll feel a lot more secure. And I don't think... We're not giving financial advice, of course, but I think, you know, diversifying the value that you hold, the wealth that you hold um, can never really go wrong. Yeah. You know, at this point, I I would feel really bad about holding my money in some kind of, uh, you know, fiat fiat currency in dollars. I mean, that scares the heck out of me. But I mean, most people don't realize that when they have dollars like that, they're investing that value in something. Right. It could be dollars. It could be property. It could be gold and silver or you know, gardens or whatever. But most people don't think of it as investing in dollars if they have a bunch of money sitting in a savings account or something like that. But that's what it's in. They are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're invested in something and it's likely dollars. Yeah. And Remember? dollars may not be very stable. Yeah. Ag- Agree. They're, you know, if the real inflation rate is 11.2%, no, they're not. They're diminishing by 11.2%. If you're not getting mm-hmm. 11.3%, you're losing money. Yeah. Number nine, it's never a good sign when the big Wall Street banks start laying off workers. CNBC is reporting that Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and many other big firms on Wall Street are planning some large layoff reductions in the months ahead. And that's a very bad sign for the economy. (laughs) Number 10, things have gotten so bad that some mainstream media outlets are actually encouraging Americans to go out and start racking up credit card debt once again. For example, one recent oh, wow. USA Today article was uh, actually entitled titled, More Credit Card Debt Might Be Good for the Economy. Right, because uh, an, an economy where there's high inflation favors debtors because when they pay back the debt, they're paying it back in dollars that are worth yep, less. It's true. Right. And this is the idea is if, uh, you know, I, I, I often have this uh, dispute with, with Ian on uh, sort of regular shows is, and I'm not, I, I won't encourage anybody to get in debt. That's mm-hmm. not going to be my encouragement. But I will say that if, in fact, the economy is on the verge of a collapse, that it's probably a good idea to 
you know, that it could be a good idea. Many, many experts would say, hey, take money out of your um, your house uh, or you know, whatever and, um, you know, your, your mortgage and put it into precious metals. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to tell you to do that because I would not do that myself because I want to pay my house off. But I understand the value in the advice. And you can go to gold.freetalklive.com whether you take money out of your house or not. I, um, but you can go, go there and get rid of the dollars you've got by buying gold and silver at gold.freetalklive.com. I have picked out some uh, coins there that will be good choices for you to get gold and silver in your hands. These aren't numismatic uh, you know, collector's coins or anything like that. They're intended to be just coin, you know, you having the metal in your hands. And mm-hmm. they're easy to check against other places that sell gold and silver. That was the idea because I found this to be very confusing when I went about it. And I found, yeah. found the salespeople at, at times to be, you know, hustling me was the term that I, I came <laughs> up with in my mind. And I don't want my listeners to, um, to have to, to deal with that. So go to gold.freetalklive.com and get some gold or silver. I think this is a great time to do that. And I've, you know, I'm putting my money into gold and silver. How much do you have any? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought some for Porkfest, some small denomination rounds so I could trade them. It was very useful. Yeah, I, 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 I was kind of sitting at uh, my uh, at dinner table there, um, you know, deciding, do I want to take coins to trade in silver? Because I believe in using them for barter. Mm-hmm. But I also want to have them. Yep. So I took some and I did trade. I traded. I took a, a stack of, uh, of halves, mm-hmm. uh, 20 of them, and I actually spent everything on uh, and food and all kinds of stuff. And you were interviewed by NPR Money as well. Yep, indeed I was. <laughs> uh, thanks. It's, uh, it's Mark. And Stephanie. And this was Free Talk Live Sunday Edition. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. gold.freetalklive.com. 